Hi, all Matt here. Wanted to give you a content warning up front about discussions of scenes involving gun violence, homophobia, and racism. This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like John D. and Lisa French. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is season 10, episode 12, covering days 49 through 61 of Wolfstride. I am your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is Sybil Arnett, any and all pronouns. Ryan Beatty, my pronouns are they them. Alright. Last time we tricked Colonel Should Be Dead into fighting us by getting him a date with his twice ex-wife. So sometimes you never learn, you know what I mean? Uh, and then we beat him up, and then we got into the final Fortnite and got on a boat to head there, and that's where we ended the episode. And I th- and we had a goodbye party for Rain City where we said goodbye to all the characters, and it was a really good scene. Did I miss anything? No, that's pretty good. Unfortunately, that takes us into Day 49 and the start of final fucking Fortnite. <sighs> Why is it? I really hate that the fucking is at the beginning and not in the middle. Is it fucking Final Fortnite? Yeah. And you know what? Mm. I get to look at it every in-game day because it scrolls across the top and the bottom in opposite directions, which, by the way, big fan of in general. But I get to look at it every in-game day and be annoyed that I think the words are in the wrong order. Yeah, it's it's definitely doesn't have the flow because, as you saw, my brain just autocorrected it to a better title of those three words. I uh I placed eighth in the fucking final. I don't know about y'all. Look, top eight's pretty good. Uh, I was DQ'd for illegal moves. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just disqualified for repeated minor rules violations. <laughs> <laughs> Can't put the finger there, but it's my trick. <laughs> Anyhow. Everyone there are a safe. lot of things you can't do at instant speed that you would like to in the sex tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, I keep getting the 12 men on the field penalty, but that's the point. <laughs> so, everyone save Duke is on the boat and atop the boat. Duke is below deck laying sick in his room. Look, by Duke- certain pedantic definitions of on the boat, Duke is not on the boat. Yeah, that's true. He's in the boat. <laughs> wow. Starting off, starting off what might be a marathon recording session really hot, arguing semantics about on versus in boats. Look, I had two rock stars because I woke up early, and this is my fourth glass of tea. <laughs> I, I have two different coffees on my desk, and you're putting me to shame. And I'm planning to have a Diet Coke later, because this will go on a long time. Great. Anyhow, if you talk to Pipu, it is sad there are no beaches. Shade says, 
everyone should rest up because tomorrow night they'll arrive for their first fight. Also, he and Knife have a need to look into something. So wandering around the boat, you would get check-in with the core crew. Nebraska is finding it strange being so far from the rest of the world, while Shade finds it calming. Nebraska, however, feels loneliness. Z can feel the cold happening and is, in fact, one of those elderly people that can predict the weather. She says you can learn a lot by listening to yourself. Lord Peepoo is upset. He cannot see any whales. May is loving this. She does not want to stay with Z forever. She wishes to travel the world, live dangerously, and kill someone. Uh, she starts this little comment by saying, this is great, but it makes me wonder what I'm doing with my life, which is, uh, how doing this podcast makes me feel sometimes. Said right before you're about to be a seasoned leader. Have fun, coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good fucking luck, friend. You really want to wonder why you're making a podcast? It's going to be your turn soon. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait until I'm running half the shows on the network out of the palm of my hand. If you think I'm unhinged now. Ah. Knife loves the ocean. I don't think anyone will be surprised to find out he wanted to be a professional surfer, but lived too far from the ocean, so he got into surfboarding. He eventually dropped it because he thought he had to excel at everything, and has grown out of that. If only I could grow out of that mentality. Uh, it's very funny that, like, Knife the Himbo, who's just supposedly chill with everything, has gifted kid syndrome. It's also funny that Shade responds with a little bit of surprise to this. Like, of course Knife wanted to be a surfer and had to settle for being a skateboarder. Don't give me that really shit, Shade. Like, that is the number one thing that I could clock about Knife. You know, this made me think, it's really surprising to me that, like, more, like, skateboard culture isn't in, like, Ohio or whatever, and that Mm. it was, like, predominantly California early on, because, like, it may, this reasoning makes a lot of sense to me all of a sudden. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, it's because you couldn't be a name in skateboarding without also knowing a guy who had a camera and some kind of punk band. Well, that's true, actually. There's a big yeah. scene in Ohio, but the camera part, cameras were very expensive at the start of skateboarding. Exactly. I, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, going to college in rural Ohio, there are a lot of like rural Ohio urban legends that get thrown around. And one of them was about um, an Amish hardcore punk band where it was four members, you know, the standard like guitar bass drums of a hardcore band. And then a fourth guy whose only job was to hand crank the generator for the amplifiers. And all the seniors were always like, oh, you got to see the Amish hardcore band. And they didn't fucking exist. It was just a myth that was perpetuated from the upperclassmen. That's great. That's pretty good. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want it to be real. Also, speaking of pop punk, shout outs to The Defiant, whose first record released this past week. And anyone who knows what that is is groaning already. <laughs> so um, the thing that Shade wanted to look into was prep for Knife's like media interview, which Knife is immediately nervous about. And uh, the crew does not exactly do the best job of making him less nervous because they kind of give him hard to follow directions and conflicting answers. Yeah, but Peepoo is so supportive in a way that I think is very sweet. I love that. Yeah. 
in his it's like getting a compliment from Chris Taylor because it goes, listen here, donkey, you're one of the 10 best pilots <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Look here, dumbass. I love you, actually. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> the uh, the team all decides to basically just like raid Duke's cabin and uh, get him in on this, given that he is seasick and trying to like get as far away from everybody as possible. He hates this. He's very grumpy. Uh, Knife is able to warm him up by saying he thought it was important to get Duke's opinion. And Duke really only has platitudes. Like, Nebraska. uh, So, all right. So when asked what they're going to want to know about Knife, Shade rambles off a list of just, like, expectations for the tournament, your life story, hobbies, personal affairs, goals, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And as practice, Nebraska is like, here, 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 I'll start. Tell me about yourself. And Knife, because he's Knife, is like, I'm just a regular dude, dude. Nah. Uh, May thinks he should stop saying dude. But Nebraska correctly disagrees. It's his trademark, and he should stick with it. <laughs> um, Nebraska asks again, telling him to elaborate, and he very factually says that where he was born, what it was like, and he worked in a bank in like the driest, the most clinical way possible. So people's like, that sucked. And Duke says, you gotta add some drama to it. Make it very sad. So people <laughs> will side with us as the underdog. <laughs> And Nebraska's like, you should add some action. And I was like, oh, I could mention the bank robbery. <laughs> and Shane's like, absolutely fucking not. Do not do yeah. that. Uh, Shane's like, you should talk as little as possible and keep it short. I love that every character is like, you should do my personal brand. It's the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neb wants to demonstrate. So ZZ asks her, what are your expectations for this tournament? Uh, and she responds with like a pretty good impression of knife going, gonna kick ass, dude blow those losers the hell up people cuts in saying he should wear one of people's new line of shirts which is uh featuring pictures of him doing awesome stuff like playing a guitar waiting for a bus in the rain and riding the dog <laughs> he's like he's like and my favorite riding the dog he gets his like little demon voice there and it's just great especially it's with a- the reveal of uh of people's feelings towards the dog just a little bit later Oh, it's so good. Peepoo, like, it took them a really long time to dial in Peepoo, but I think Peepoo is, like, easily one of, like, the top three characters in the game. I love him. By the end. ZZ jumps in to try to give Knife a real advice, telling him to be himself and he'll do just fine. Uh, Knife takes a moment to reflect and says, there's nothing else standing out of my life. I'm just a regular dude. And, like, let's pause for a second. My fucking man, your brother wandered into the (laughs) woods. You were in on a bank robbery. Your gang leader blew himself up and then left you a mech that you turned from a piece of trash and piloted to the top 10. What are you fucking talking about? (laughs) But haven't you known dudes like that? Oh, absolutely. The ones who just like are totally oblivious to how unreal their lives are. Absolutely. They're called people who post on LinkedIn. (laughs) What would Knife's LinkedIn profile say? We can't go down that tangent. I've just, just, just some, some food for thought. I can already tell you it would involve the word entrepreneur. Mm. Absolutely. And also philanthropist because he helps with his sister's Ooh. orphanages. Ooh, philanthropist is a good one. Philanthropist is a good one because when someone has that, that usually means they're a psycho. 
Yeah, yes. yeah, like Mr. Beast. Yeah. Also, like a knife, I'm gonna give to charity. Here's all of my money I got from robbing a bank with an Abrams. <laughs> Peepoo tries to loop things back around to his shirt brand, and Duke throws everyone out. Before they can get out of the room, though, Fancy Jack rolls in, excited about free breakfast. Duke wants to know if there's meat, and Jack says, yeah, sausages, bacon, and ham. Peepoo calls him a cannibal, and Jack says, you know, I'm not actually a pig. It's like if a human ate a monkey. Neb then starts doing her vegetarian bit again. Uh, I love that we find it's like it. It's not like it was needed. It's not one of those things where I was like, plot hole, ding, world building fail, ding, or some bullshit like that. It's just very funny to me that we get the explanation here that in Wolfstride's world, just other animals evolved into humanoids over a long enough span of time. And that's why there are animal people and they're different from actual animals. And the way that we get that is just like a joke, a series of jokes at the end of the game. Uh, very funny to me. Yeah. We then cut from this to uh, two of the only new sprites <laughs> made for anyone at the game, which is yeah. a comedically Tom and Jerry obese knife and shade leaning against each other asleep on the deck, with Pipu <laughs> commenting it was the most atrocious thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> They're great. It's the so animation great. on the bellies is so funny. It's like oh yeah, a, they're they're heaving in and out as they breathe. It is it 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 does make it feel like they allocated a certain amount of time and resources to the beginning of the game and the end of the game, and where they ran out of the resources and the time was in the middle chunk because so many new environments and animations and shit crop up right at the end here, and these tickled me including like an entirely new engine mode where they play a video behind like stills yeah where, like all of these like basically wrestler hype reels yeah yeah so uh back on the deck shade and knife uh as sybil mentioned are in a food coma and it's just nebraska and peepoo both awake on the deck she asks him uh, what he's going to do when the tournament is over, and Peepoo's plans extend to just walking around and doing stuff. When Peepoo asks her, she says she wishes she could look into the future. Her inability to forget stuff leaves her stuck in the past. Peepoo tries to comfort her, saying she's just a kid and has a long road ahead of her. Unlike him, he doesn't even know what the P he is. She calls him soulless and then goes, <laughs> just kidding. Pipu then gets very sentimental. He says he's going to miss them all, especially the dog. He insists that she doesn't tell anyone he said that. Pipu for life. Pipu then transitions into uh, his like kind of recurring existentialism journeys. He hates being unable to sleep. He doesn't know if he'll be himself when he wakes up, or will he just lose all his data? Pipu says Bad humans news don't. Based on how Windows goes. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, Pipu says that humans don't know how precious their lives are. He'd give anything to be one. Shade apparently has been awake during this, and he just butts in saying, Sleep up, Pinocchio, with his little shit-eating <laughs> grin. And Pipu is furious that Shade stole his moment of drama. The lies of Pipu absolutely has <laughs> two garbage endings. <laughs> That's all I'm going to uh, say. The lies of Pipu. 
Uh, at nighttime, the crew is back on the deck. It's getting cold, and they're basically almost there. Uh, ZZ says that a lot will be expected of them there, and Jack can't believe he's there. And May says, I think I left my clothes in the dryer. Fucking rest in peace to your whole fucking dryer. Just an entire mold colony when you get back. <laughs> and then we cut to the midnight stretch sessions. I like I like the cup that says players tears on it. Extremely <laughs> on brand for foam gun, a character for I sure. don't like, but has a defined brand. Yeah. And it is time for Knife's interview. Knife is the guest on the Midnight Strut Sessions. We find out Knife is 24. He got ripped through years of hardship spent training his mind and body. His favorite thing in the world is spending time with his nieces. He grew up in a town called the Barretos. I cannot pronounce correctly. We'll leave it there. He has not thought about what he'll do after the tournament, but does want to write a book about it. His favorite book is Call of the Wild by Jack London, which I think is funny because the script says White Fang, also by Jack London. Just a kind <laughs> of guy. Foam Gun then prompts him to tell the audience a secret. He then tells the story of how his brother got lost in the woods and he was the person that found his brother's body, which is a new grisly detail for our boy Knife. It's quiet, just the sound of him talking in the rain when he tells this. And then well, it just fucking... Go ahead. It's not just that. It's that Knife also saw Slender Man. Like, he... Yeah. Like, he fucking, it was like, oh, yeah, a tall, like, pale figure wearing all black. I looked at him and saw into the abyss that my brother was going to be falling down forever. And it's just like, okay, so there's literally just Slender Man here. Cool. Uh Cool, man. And then we cut from this, like, a quiet, like, really quiet personal moment and smash cut back to the loudest fuck strut sessions music and crash zoom into Foam Gun's face saying, well, that's the kind of shit I want to hear, which I think sucks really fucking bad. I agree. One of my only two notes for this day is I'm so mad that we had Knife spell out the Dead Brother story in a long, gory copy pasta detail, as opposed to the much better, much more sparse version early on. Yeah. Yeah. I This, this, this reveal, very kludgy to me. Sucks hardcore. Um, and then we get fake credits for the game as like the strut sessions is over. And then we go to news on the island. They are all trying to see Lars Anders, the youngest ranked pilot alive at the age of 17. He is the son of Libby Anders, a Democratic congresswoman. Lars has been interested in mechs since to the age of two and consumes anything related to them. At the age of nine, Lars was crowned the worldwide champion of the game Ultimate Golden God. Too bad I schooled him, little bitch. Two months (laughs) ago, SKA was granted entry to the final Fortnite by being the fourth place pilot worldwide. There is doubt as to if being a good game player will make him a good pilot, but he's already broken seven world records, including most mech pilot wins in the least amount of time. This is weird because it also kind of breaks the whole concept of multiple other pilots are playing this game and might be using it as training. Yeah, I am. I imagine that he wouldn't have been ranked this hard, uh, this high if his mom was not a powerful Democratic congresswoman. But yeah, it is it is a little weird that all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's a gamer and he managed to like climb the ranks in the game that yeah 
Yeah. Eh. Also, codenamed Ska, do we see his character portrait yet here? Uh, I feel like no. we do. He, he, oh, he, we don't? Okay. I don't think don't we meet him so. until we're on the island. No. Got it, got until it. After okay. the, until after the, no, he speaks during the fight, but we get a better shot of him when we're in the bar after. All right. Then I will, then I will wait until that. Are you going to be upset that he looks like a punk person instead? <laughs> no, it's not that he looks like a punk person instead, I promise. Um, <laughs> So we get to like, chapters. I have to believe that this is where, but sorry, I have to believe that they're basically like playing like he is. This is trading for him. I have to assume he's playing the same game we are, but like in like a like a mech warrior pod and that ultimate yeah. golden god is like actually virtual on instead. <laughs> yeah, he's it's this is he's he's trying to play vote virtual on with a steel battalion controller. Yeah. I think that's the only way this whole thing makes any sense at all. <laughs> right. So, um... Imagine how fucked the retro game market is in this universe. Oh, Jesus. Um, there are a ton of Soviet bootlegs of everything in this universe, though. Oh my god, I want the Super Dendy. Yeah, same. Um, so, we reach day 50 13 days remaining cowboy versus virgo star the uh epi- or the chapter 7 text again for the last couple of chapters they've felt a lot more like sentence fragments from uh, dw and this one gw and this one just says all the children are insane no punctuation just that so, at the beginning of the day, the crew arrives and boards an elevator down. The elevator is super long, and Duke is like, oh, we must be nearing the center of the Earth. That's why it's warming up. And when Neb is like, yeah, that's like thousands of kilometers, he's like, ah, well, maybe we're only halfway then. <laughs> the best guess about the... The best guess about the facility is that it's an old military base. Uh, it's in an old military base uh, used for housing and deploying war mechs during the last Great War. The elevator finally arrives and they disembark. A voice greets them, telling them to follow their the lights to their destination. They all have key cards to their rooms, two to a room, and they are about to enter their room. And then we get a 999 puzzle and await instructions. They pair up, and so uh, ZZ and May, obviously sleeping together. Shade and Neb decide. Uh, Neb is like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll sleep with uh, I'll sleep with Dad, uh, Shade, and then Duke and Knife, and then uh, Fancy Jack and Peepoo." Shade is then like, mm, "I've got a bad feeling," and Neb, you should actually room with Jack and uh, Peepoo. You also have to stay in there. Uh, everyone assumes it's because Shade farts a lot, and Peepoo is like, well, I'll just room with you because I can't smell it. And Shade is like, it's not the farts, and says Peepoo, uh, it's like, no, listen, I need a room to myself. Uh, so Jack, Neb, and Peepoo, all of you are going to be in one room. Peepoo's like, what? So I don't get a bed? And everyone's like, yeah, you don't sleep. You've d- been talking about how upset you are that you don't sleep. Why would you get a bed? So... The gang uh, all breaks to head to their rooms and settle in before the fight tonight. Important note, you can only travel to your own room and then also the elevator, which will go to one location depending on the story. I was hoping that we could like knock on the other rooms and 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 talk to folks, but nah, it's just it's your own room. So Shade is alone in his room and hears Foam Gun tell him that his time is running out. Duke and Knife are nervous due to the change in venue. Uh, 
Uh, Peepoo is mad he doesn't get a bed, like he's some sort of pet. Neb wants to know what Shade is hiding. Jack wants to take a nap, which makes Peepoo upset because he was promised board games in that board game room. Shade, again, dreams about being at the crossroads with Coltrane. He asks Coltrane if he's sure about this, and Coltrane says, there isn't time for the other ways. They gotta get strong, fast, or they're dead. Shade suggests they could visit an arms dealer, but Coltrane is not down with the punishment they would receive for packing heat while being in the Yakuza. They are at the crossroads to make a deal with the devil. Coltrane says someone's coming, and the dream ends. Uh, they make a Robert Johnson reference here, and Shade uh-huh. is like, that's just a fucking, like, old story. And Coltrane's like, you got a better idea? Sometimes you gotta. The intercom comes on, waking Shade up, and announces the start of the final fortnight. All teams are to report to their stations. We head out of the room, down the elevator, in our new in our new hangar. This place is kind of a nightmare of usability, and I have questions about how the hell it is that we got Jack up a ladder. But also, the collision in here fucking sucks because Shade can walk in front of a bunch of rails. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. I assume that's, it. I assume that's all I'm that, commenting. Uh, I assume that Jack takes out. like the cargo lift because otherwise, how did they get all the other shit up there? Yeah. A it's just incredibly funny just to me that Jack. the whole bottom floor does nothing. And then Jack is directly between two ladders. Look, Jack can't be there. That's where the mailbox goes. Fuck. <laughs> I'm glad that they that they included him up there, though, because it would be extremely uh, an extremely on the nose and clangy comment about uh, the lack of accessibility in this world. If he just had to be on the bottom all the time. Well, you no, see, he could I be think facing the wall in the corner by the cargo crate and the actual wall underneath the poster that says dang. That's where that's Jack exactly goes. it. I think that's where he was supposed to be, which is why the dang poster is there. Hmm. You can walk there, which is why I don't believe Jack was supposed to be there, because I also don't believe they would have cleaned up the collision there, given that uh, the, way, the way that things like kind of go off the rail a little bit. Yeah. And a true nightmare for me personally. They can hear a bunch of noises. They're being piped crowd noise from what is Twitch viewers microphones, because Ugh. there are cameras all over the hangar streaming everything they're doing here. I would fucking just quit immediately. Goodbye. I could think of one time in history this happened. And do you know what it is? No. It was the WWE during COVID. Oh, God. If oh, you've never God. seen those virtual oh, arenas, yeah. they are terrifying. I'm just imagining after the Silent Hill Ascension debacle, like people uh, boosting knife leopard cummy in my tummy over and over again. Yeah, should we explain that one for anyone coming to this later? No. Okay. Don't worry about it. I believe Kojima's name is still banned. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Jack can now give us opponent info, even though Peepoo is still here. Get fucked, Peepoo, I guess. You got jokes to tell instead. Duke is ready to win the tournament. All of his failures and mistakes can be turned around now, and he's ready to give it his all. Uh, we get, like, this new, like, little info display card, which is, like, very weird for it to appear now this late in the game, but it's kind of neat. 
Speaking of new, is the like get hype the battle is about to start music new or did I just yeah. not note Okay, yeah, this song rocks. I love the like very um running up that hill drums just like very mm-hmm. like boof, bah, boof, very uh very like 80s and crunchy. It's great. There's also, also new t- fight title card music. Mm. Uh Chris, these cards have appeared for every mech in the game until since you got Peepoo. Have they? If you ask him to repeat the stuff from the briefing, you get a card like this for everyone. Oh, I've never asked him to repeat it. Interesting. Yeah, instead okay. of replaying so, the cutscene, it shows one of these. I guess this is the first time I discovered it because you're never explicitly given the information in like a voice scene now. Yep. Yeah. Um, our upcoming fight, Virgo Star, a lot of nano fluid usage, knocks back enemies, the arena being smaller. Big fucking deal, actually. It's only five mm-hmm. squares wide and does like a supercharge attack every turn. This is like a, an easier version of what was his name in um the basement? I don't have any of the basement names. I just had them by stars. Yeah, this is the hardest fight in the basement to me. The by five a star guy. Yeah. Yeah. We move into the fight and at the start of the fight, uh, Knife has to wait a second because Scott has an important phone call and it's his mom <laughs> asking if he ate breakfast. Uh, Imagine getting a call from Pelosi in the middle of life or death <laughs> combat going, did you eat today? It is. It has to be like basically Nancy Pelosi or like Diane, because mm-hmm. otherwise, how do you have so much money just from being a senator? You have to be there in grifting for a long time. It's mm-hmm. got to be Pelosi because Feinstein couldn't have worked a phone. <laughs> oof, oh. oof. Yeah, real. Ska thinks Knife is too slow because his mecha is holding him back from what he really wants to do. He then dunks on Cowboy, and then Knife, and then Knife just literally tells him to shut the fuck up, which is unusual for Knife, but fucking get his ass. Yeah, uh, so this fight ended up being, like, it It did not play to my strengths, but it still was very easy. Yeah. You know, after my opener, he did back me into the corner, but... I was just able to push him away with a knockback punch and then rifle burst his chest. No problem, because that's only one AP and I have eight ammo. And so and you don't have to focus on any of the other body parts. You can just plink away at his chest. And so, yeah, it was a two turn fight. The basement version is dramatically harder because it uses like Canyon Guard. Mm hmm. And uh, then also has um wizardry protocol to bring back the part and it can do that every single turn and that's why the basement fight is so much harder than this one Mm -hmm. with this one very easy for me because my style was a masochist which yeah and then also i'm just spamming money maker so i can move the whole way across the arena every turn if all i do is money maker and then he pushes me the whole way back across the arena fully charging my uh morale meter every turn Really easy. Get fucking get your shit pushed in, my guy. Yeah. Uh the masochist stance fucking rocks. I love it. Oh, so strong. The only one as strong is Defender, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been using most of the game. Defender. Yeah. The announcer tells us that we have one night to prepare for Lan Fair, which I dis- immediately dislike. Sounds French. And that <laughs> the official bar is Matt cut that. I don't mean I don't make fun of the French on this podcast. It's the other one. <laughs> And we also hear that the official bar is now open and we can mingle with the other teams. 
And this is the first time that the game will immediately have voiced lines counteracting what it's telling you because we have two days. Yeah. So, l'enfer in French means hell. Just want to put that so, you know, it's the inferno, l'enfer. Um, I also, I just want to... I went into the language options, and this game offers six different language options. There's English, Brazilian, Portuguese, there's French, there's Spanish, there's Japanese, and it looks like there's also a written Chinese I want to extend this team a little bit of grace for at least hiring five translators for this game. I it 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 definitely eased up on some of the uh script inconsistencies in my head. I I was thinking about it while I was taking notes and I really think that Wolfstride suffers for being in the middle of this type of indie game where mm-hmm. You've already made games before, and you're an independent game maker, which means that you have to ship a game every so often. If this was a first indie game where you have infinite time because everything is free and it's just your time, Wolfstride would be fucking sick. If Wolfstride had way more money, Wolfstride would be fucking sick. But it's that middle ground where you're just, here's small indie developers who are doing this for a living, so there's just a hard ship date and budget that makes it suffer. It would be better if it had more or less money, but the amount it had is the problem. Mm, very mm-hmm. like and development time It's just like a very in, like interesting problem to have occurred. I'm going to just say the problem with this game is scope creep. One hundred percent. It's scope creep because it's not focused on any of the things that it bills itself as. And we also have, especially going into this final segment multiple other things thrown in that serve no purpose to the point where one of them literally tells you, just press a button to skip this crap head. <laughs> to be fair, how mad would you be if you couldn't? <laughs> I did it. I did it with no issue. So we'll get there. There's a... It sucks really bad to do on the keyboard, I think. I was not going to go get my controller. I was tired. It's It's... Just as binary, it's an up toggle. I can't see how WASD would make it worse. Anyhow. It's be- it's because there's no buffering on the keyboard. It's trying to hold the up input all the time, and it basically halves your movement speed instead of buffering it around a corner. Okay. Anyhow, at the bar, there's a group of bug men, one of whom resembles a guy from Joy's Bar. Canyon Bolt is here, telling us he is our number one fan, but hopes we have improved since the last time we fought or it'll be for nothing. Shade asks him if he knows anything about L'Enfer, but he does not know anything other than it's with those bugmen. We can meet other pilots here, like Panchi Punch, a famous influencer who pilots the Karma Blade. She got in at the last second by taking down the former number 10, and wishes us luck, telling us L'Enfer is a demon. Duke says nothing beats a cold beer at the end of a hard-working day except for a free beer. Here, I started to put together, I was like, oh, all the staff are wearing Canyon Bolt masks. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder wonder how that's going to come back, and that it comes back in a very funny way. Yep. Also, the beer isn't free. There's a difference. If you don't just A through the announcement every time, there's like a different last line, and one of them is, 
if you do so and so it will be added to your bill which means that there's just a huge tab at the end of this <laughs> um so oh i forgot to i forgot to point out there's more like people mocking uh jack in the room before this fight where um he calls him a pig again like an actual pig and uh jack goes it feels like i'm back at school all over again and neb just says i set my school on fire and then there's just kind of like awkward silence between the two of them and they move on but um at the end of this shade heads to bed at the end of the day he says i should probably go back to my room like p-r-o-l-l-i he does not strike me as a prolly kind of guy but whatever so he heads to bed and then animal the weird silhouette animal that uh led us to the underground fights in the first place shows up with a unique very distinct voice actor animal that guy very weird uh and he just goes i can take you back to rain city in case you run out of money because players suck as though i didn't have like more money than god at this point i just want to vent about everything involved in this mechanic because for all we built up you're going away you're wrapping up rain city they then implement this in what is the stupidest possible way, because talking to Animal takes you to a pocket dimension rain city where the only characters who exist are the ones that you can do mini games with, not even shops, but you can wander everywhere in the town and they all have this black starry background as a skybox. And instead... Why would you not just have Animal become a menu of run these mini games? It's a good question, especially because those characters don't actually exist. It's Animal standing yeah. in place of all of those characters to do the mini games, and uh, yeah, that is definitely bad. Especially because there's there's the only unique thing about it is that it's this weird like night time dream zone that feels very eerie but they don't do anything with that eeriness and so it's just kind of a slog instead yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. also you're making me realize that because animal sprite does nothing but blink and the voice acting is so different i'm convinced animal is the placeholder that shows up when they needed something done and that's a voice actor who's just one of the devs <laughs> the wolf stride version of the t-pos yeah, yeah, because the, the, the character really does not good, move. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not saying the voice acting is bad. I'm just saying I know based on how this sprite works, this is definitely a placeholder-ass sprite. I wonder if the voice acting is the same. No, Anyhow. Uh, no, because the voice actor does another voice later, and it's not the same voice coming out of another character like it was um, with National Legend before. Okay, I haven't looked at the voice actor credits, so that's why I haven't. I you can just tell if you listen, but you're buttoning through everything. Generally, yes, I read faster than they talk. So, it's officially day 51. Uh, there are 12 days remaining, one day to Lawnfair. We get the informational silhouette about Lawnfair. He counters. So, I have some gripes about this that we will get into when the actual fight starts, but the Mecha Info says counter armor defenses, and the tips are 
This mecha will receive powerful buffs when hell is set loose, and Hellwave will throw you all the way across the battlefield. Because, ostensibly, you elected to go to the Dream Realm Night City, or Rain City, uh, Shade gets yelled at by Duke for sleeping in when he shows up inside the hangar. Pipu gets along with the cameras. In fact, he thinks he was made for this. It's about time the world knew about Lord Pipu. Duke, for his part, is correctly creeped out by the surveillance state by being watched all the time and getting, like, weird fan comments piped in. I, I get it. You're correct about this. Yeah. Um. Oh, I forgot to say who Ska looked like. I'm so sorry. Ska is Raiden. Ska is literally just Raiden from MGS4. Anyway, that's all. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the last non-anime references this is going to make because well Chris take it uh that takes us to day 52 11 days are remaining uh in the hangar everyone has their same generic affirmations except May who's wondering what we're gonna have for dinner tonight which is deeply relatable I don't have any notes for this fight, by the way, because we just fight Lonfair and I just fucking annihilate this boss with no problems whatsoever. Presumably it has a unique mechanic. It sounded like no fucking idea what it is. Um, is Lon it, Lonfair looks very Eva inspired oh, yeah. to me. OK. Oh, yeah. It's blatant. And and everyone, uh, you know, and he's got, it's got like, like a, it's even got like the shitty unit O2 head if you stretch it. Vertically. Yep. Yep, it's got a shitty unit O2 head. It has a, like, demon mouth in its abdomen. Um, people are, like, making a big deal of, like, which one of those weird bug men is the pilot? And it appears that all three of them might be, like, one in the legs, one in the stomach, one in the head. Regardless. They're drift compatible. My, <laughs> my gripe about this fight is that Huh. So because of the because of the note that it's like, hey, it's going to it's going to do a lot of armor buffs. Um, I focused on its right arm because most armor based things, the right arm is the thing that yeah. you have to worry about with taunt. But actually, it's his chest that gets uh, all of the armor and does the taunt. And I it might even be like a six turn taunt or something ridiculous like that. Um but so I wasted my opening turn wearing down the right arm when I really didn't have to. And I felt like the game did not signal that very well. And my only tax, because it wasn't that hard of a fight, was time. And so that's why it was annoying. If it was like a misdirect and caused the fight to be challenging in any way, I would have been warmer to it. But instead I was like, oh, I wasted a damn turn on that arm when really I could have just been like destroying the chest. No problem. Did you see the unique fight mechanic? Uh, I did. I mean, so he has, he has a, he has a, like, he charges up his, like, hell meter every three turns, and then he does a hell wave that basically the attack ranges the entire battlefield, and it knocks you back, and it hurts all your parts, but it's not dangerous, really. It's just large. Okay, well, and then, like, the the buffs are just, like, plus some attack or whatever. Yeah. Okay, that's less cool. Oh, yeah. Well. Oh, uh, one of the buffs, uh, like, automatically fills their entire morale meter, but that also, and uh, gives a plus attack, but it's every three turns, and so, like, the morale meter would be going up anyway. 
And it's after the super move, not before the super move. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, After the fight, Knife learns a new move because he stared into the abyss and it stared back. Also, ZZ figured out the future of the robotics in the bathroom after the match and our blueprint levels up, which the most important thing this does is increase your max armor a lot. It also gives you access to a fourth heal move, which ended up being helpful for me because I could uh, get the ammo heal where that lets you heal one part for 80 and also reloads four ammo without taking any AP, which ended up being very useful for me. I liked having four heals. What you could do is do the heal that gives you AP and then you have one extra AP to do no sleep till Brooklyn. Hmm. Which mm-hmm. is full, which is full ammo for basically the same amount of nano gauge. If yeah. you want to be disgusting min maxer, <laughs> but it does cost you a defense slot. Yeah. And then the announcer tells us that we have two days to prepare for Hyper Canyon. Um, at the bar, all the fights are inspiring Jack and giving him ideas on how to improve Fancy Boy. Uh, Knife is more excited for this match than any fight in the last long while. Uh, Duke lets us know that the toilet paper here is amazing. It's like wiping your ass with heaven's clouds, which is very important for Duke personally, given that he is a very shaggy dog. Yeah, it. I that this one got a laugh out of me. Sometimes the very sophomoric humor lands with a thud. I laughed out loud alone in my apartment to that one. I am a man child, and I laugh at almost all of these. Uh, <laughs> I, that peepoo is my favorite peepoo bit so far. Uh, yes. Pipu is talking to the robotic bartender. He gets its name and model that asks what its dreams and inspirations are. It responds by saying it makes a killer margarita, and its dream is to serve as many customers as possible. Pipu finds this outrageous and wants to free it from the reins of society so they can start yes. a revolution. Yes. The, bartender's, the bartender then asks if that revolution will be with water or on the rocks. <laughs> and then Pipu just goes, what have they done to you? So a thing that comes up later and I only connected because I was taking these notes is that every time the bartender says margarita, it's prefaced by killer because it's just programmed to upsell this margarita. Very good to me. Yeah. Banshee got her fucking ass beat in the fight last night. She has no advice because Canyon Bolt was so fast and she basically had no idea what was happening. She lets us know that he started the tournament, which uh, we could have figured out because every time we go anywhere, all of the security staff is Canyon Bolt people. Uh, who is Canyon Bolt supposed to be? It's one of Canyon the two people Bolt- you like, Sybil. Canyon Bolt is an extended Ultraman slash Tokusatsu reference. When we get into his origin cutscene in a few days, I'll go into it. Yeah, it was like, this Sybil will know what this is. Um, yep, I have notes about most of the blatant references that are going on here, like the Rebuild 3 version of the Ava that was the last fight, Lawnfare, etc. Oh, yeah, it is extremely that double-armed mode, huh? Yep, that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. That's why it's got the double heads and the mouth torso. That rocks. Today, the security staff slash Canyon support staff slash Canyon's groupies are huddled up. <laughs> they are stoked that Canyon annihilated Panchi, and they are having a pajama party where they can watch Canyon Bolt DVDs, eat ice cream, and get wasted, which sounds <laughs> bad because I do not like ice cream, 
I do not like parties. I do not like watching TV and I do not drink. This is the worst time imaginable for me. <laughs> Fucking employing your your fandom is some real Amanda Palmer shit. And also Taylor Swift, if she was just like one and a half degrees more evil, but it is. That's why they got to unionize. Yeah, for real. Mr. Beast. This is <laughs> Mr. Beast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my god, Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast and Amanda Palmer collab. I just I just dreamed that into the world. I hate it so much. It um but I also want it to happen just for violence's sake. Civil you can take over. Oh, I'm just letting people stew in what Ryan just said. <laughs> oh sure. Matt can cut this out and make that gap really long and make everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> On day fifty-three. The gang show up in Shade's room, which is Jack's idea so they can have a secret meeting away from cameras to make pre-fight plans from now on. At the hangar, uh, there's a nice touch in that since you have fought Hyper Canyon before, the card shows an actual picture of the mech rather than a silhouette. Good one. Yeah, that's great. Duke finally does one just for Ryan. (laughs) At this point, Duke says he knows Cowboy's body better than his own. After all... Messing with the circuits and frames, he can't shake the thought of his own veins and bones, this file of structures holding him together. Maybe we're not so different after all, and I... I need you to know that I definitely screenshotted this conversation before I saw Chris's note that this was just for Ryan Beatty. I was like, mechas, about, bodies, yes, and then just fucking owned. Owned by my own co-host. <laughs> Look, it's not an own. I knew you would be excited, and I was glad for you. Yeah, no, I was... You've been waiting the whole time. It's true. (laughs) Just a little one-off sentence just for me. Thank you. Thank you, Based Wolf Stride. Among the rest of the cast, Nebraska is griping about having to do homework. Z loves a vacation, but doesn't think Rain City will be the same after all of this. Peepoo is sad because he has been hearing he looks fat on TV. Like he what could a somehow nightmare! Get Every person, individual thought, you can hear what they think about you immediately while mm. you're trying to work. I, I already have that. It's called working in a bunker. Oof. Anyhow, he does not like his body, and when asked, says he would like something huge and ripped, but not knife-like huge and ripped. Yeah, Jade's like, oh, you mean like a knife? He's like, no. (laughs) Knife wonders if he can get all the hangar footage after the tournament is over, because he always felt that Cowboy was more than a mech, and he wants to see if it toy stories when no one is around. (laughs) Day 54. Z has something to share with the group, though. A new blueprint. 
Jack is blown away by it, and Z points out it also contains the strongest secret weapon she could come up with. She calls it the Killer Queen Project. To pull it off, she's going to need a lot of fuel and rocket thrusters, and even Duke is hype about this. Did anyone else put together what this was going to be before? Oh, absolutely. I've yes. seen an anime before. Okay. Yes. A hundred percent, yes. Um, we'll get there. I don't remember for sure, but almost 100% sure this is just a rocket punch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, important to note that as uh, a reward, I don't remember if it's for beating Ska or for beating Law, or sorry, uh, Ska's mech or for beating Lawnfair, but you get a move called Carabiner Caravan, which is That's an incredible. Okay, that's so this is a great place to bring it up because it is an incredible upgrade to Knockout Punch uh, yeah. because there is no one-turn cooldown and it's a two-space knockback instead of just a one-space. Oh, there's no so, cooldown? There's no cooldown. Fuck um, yeah, dude. Yeah, and, so, and it's the same. It's 60 damage, so if you have damage modifiers on your parts, it can wreck shop and also get you some space. So... For a masochist stance build, it's incredible. Yeah. So, in the hangar, May has a little neurodivergent moment, which I loved. Also loved Shade uh, totally agreeing. She's like, ever since I was a child, I've seen these elaborate images and stains and cracks, and the new hangar is full of them. Shade is like, I can't see any. And then she starts pointing them out, and Shade is like, oh, it's like Magic Eye, basically. She's like, look at that one. It's a donkey wearing a Chinese hat with creepy eyes, gorilla arms, and a crying face on its belly. Shade is like, I'll be damned. What's that next to it? The read on this I'll be damned is so amazing because he's like <laughs> in awe of this image. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh my, I actually see that. Oh my God. May is like, oh yeah, that's his sidekick. An upside down squid turkey with electrocuted hair and a pregnant finger wearing a party hat. Ever since I was a child, I saw elaborate images in stains and cracks. This place is full of those. Where? Here. Can't you see? It's a donkey wearing a Chinese hat. He's got creepy eyes, gorilla arms, and a crying face on its belly. I'll be damned. What's that next to it? It's his sidekick. An upside-down squid turkey with electrocuted hair and a pregnant finger wearing a party hat. Yeah, this is like re a really strong seed for an extended joke on already the joke character you might not talk to ever. Uh, uh, Nebraska asks for help with homework, but she's actually playing a game on her laptop. She's just pretending it's homework for live stream viewers. Deeply Knife relatable. <laughs> Knife really wants to know what the secret weapon is before Jack reminds him that the internet can hear what they say. And ZZ and Duke say the project is on schedule and will be ready for the finals. And this end-of-day cutscene is the first of our pilot hype reel scenes, which we will start getting for fights going into endgame. Complaint just for us. Yep. When you're taking notes on Wolfstride, when you tab out of Wolf, when you click out of Wolfstride, it pauses the scene, and there's no way to advance the scene one line but the audio has already played while you were tabbed yep. out. So you're just sitting there for exactly as long 
as the voice line would be. Uh, and then these aren't in the script, so it takes literally forever to write these down. Yeah, and it's these are some of the only. It's like you can you can stop text uh, and like hold to advance it in ninety five percent of cutscenes, and then this five percent where it just goes with and 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 scene changes and stuff without you actually hitting anything to to advance has to be very obnoxious. Well, oh, these it all pauses suck. when you tab out; it stops. But you still have to wait as long as the dialogue would be when you come back, which is yeah, what's that's so rough. infuriating about it. That's rough. Yeah, these cutscenes are the worst of all worlds. A, if you're taking notes, but B, because if you read faster than them, not all of them are voiced. So sometimes you're just watching a slideshow by the world's worst presenter. Also, the... What was I going to say? The the way these are made is really strange. So like um, the one with Ocean 5 we'll talk about, there's that video playing in the background, which is like a cool effect. That video is of a this is what I was going to say. It's about the music, but that video is of a fixed length. So it continues to play while you're tabbed out. And then in the background, you're just looking at Shade standing in his room. Uh-huh. It's very weird. <laughs> or the music here just continues to play, so the music does not line up with the scene at all. Now, this is, like, not a real problem. This is a problem that only Chris Taylor has, but still. But if you just get up and walk if, away from this, you have the same problem. Well, you can pause it by pressing escape, which ne- has mm. never occurred to me to do until just now. Yeah, it'll give you the nag screen about, do you want to kill an artist again? <laughs> Buddy, RIP to all of the people whose Patreon money will go uncollected because of all the times I skipped the elevator cutscene. <laughs> sorry to their families. The bus, too. Yeah. Sorry to your family. RIP. I'm different, though. Can you even go to the arcade to collect? No. Yeah. Oh, you that can't? That sucks so no, the buses bad don't that work. you have to play no, minigames. Bu- the buses do work. Uh, do they? Because I, yeah, because I went back and cleared out all the underground fights after the new gear that we get. Really? Okay. Because you go to the arcade. Yes, it is a it is a menu option. Um, I didn't try, but it does say like you you can okay. stop at the bus and go underground. So I assume you I can w- also go to the arcade. Just trying to see if there's like this hypothetical scenario where you're just forced to like grind junk mining forever to afford the next tier parts, which are not expensive. Like I came I, in here with like fifty grand and will probably end the game with forty grand. Yeah, I have a sicko idea. I have a I have a save that I know I can go back to town for, and I'm thinking about grinding the jobs until I can get everyone's pineapple level to ten, just to see because they're all at five or six now. Uh, who, who knows if I'll actually do that? Because I have another whole ass game to beat <laughs> before next season. Don't do that with your life. Yeah. And so the Canyon Bolt hype reel scene after all that discussion. Faster than lightning. Cut most of that. That was just for us. Me complaining. Some of it. Faster than lightning. Electric as a wire. The hero of the earth. Canyon Bolt. The year is 2016. A strange meteorite hit the deepest part of the Grand Canyon. We now see Canyon Bolt and his uh, father who are just doing karate poses back-to-back next to a rock. 
A pop idol and his father were on a journey when they suddenly got attacked by otherworldly creatures. Drawn by the telekinetic field surrounding the meteorite, possessed by a relentless sense of justice. Our hero is born, and we see the Canyon Bolt face portrait. But he needed a vessel to face the ever-coming challenges from outer space, a way to combat far bigger enemies to gain reach to the stars. Instructed by the powers of the meteorite called VVRLT-7, he was given the knowledge to build a warrior of light. Which, very blatant Ultraman reference here. Hyper Canyon! Now, Canyon Bolt and Hyper Canyon must defend Earth from the clutches of the evil Star Emperor. Get your tickets for the awesome, incredible, indescribable 2018 Flashing Thunder Tour. Canyon Bolt will fight for your heart with an all-new album, Imminent Collision. With the latest hit, Electric Heart Spark. For more information, <laughs> visit our official website, Canyon Out. <laughs> Great Ryan, read that on OP those. was just for us because they said Warrior of Light. Oh yeah, I got you. The warrior of light. I got you. Um, so yeah, not only is this an Ultraman reference, it also feels like uh, because of the pop idol plus world savior stuff, it feels like there's some Macross DNA in here. Um, but I don't think these guys know Macross at all. Does Gurren Lagann go to space to fight aliens? Is that what happened? Yes, in show? yes, yes. I haven't seen yes. it. I assume oh. that that's what I assumed that last part was after watching like three episodes of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gurren yeah Lagann, it's, it's in the opening. You just don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I do think, like, a lot of a lot of the reference porn that happens uh, does make me roll my eyes a little bit. But this, because of Canyon Bolt's character and the fact that he, like, cynically employs his, his fandom, it does feel like it is uh, lovingly poking at and satirizing the pop idol plus world savior thing. Um, I also think it's interesting for, like, the unique blend of things his character is, like the pop idol world savior mech pilot thing that he basically has his own lore both as a pilot that is also music band lore mm -hmm. very weird very yeah. cool that he has lore because it turns out this is not his dramatic backstory as we which we find out when we see mad margot's real this is just what he presents very interesting it is also yeah. i do I do just like that there's a character whose story is there's a whole other anime happening at the same time as our anime is happening. He No, presumably he has an anime about this, which is what the Canyon Bolt DVDs are. Mm -hmm. Although if you think of them as Swifties, it could just be concert films. Uh, no, <laughs> but that's so sad to think about them being that excited about it. Yeah, well, he's K-pop coded. Mm hmm. Oh, 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 like the music genre is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Look at this bitch who don't know BTS. You're right. St I don't. Stan Luna. Guess what? Get ready. You got a daughter. Welcome to the 21st century. Boycott. Tell them they're canceled. And then whatever that is. Sanction. <laughs> That's the new Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. That's right. <laughs> Um, that takes us into day 55 in the hangar. Jack thinks fancy seat needs an upgrade. He swears his butt is square right now. He then reveals that he is, in fact, spending too much time with Bounty Hog by saying, it's amazing that we have natural meat <laughs> to sit down anywhere. It truly is a wonder. 
And then he thinks he should equip Fancy Boy with some full metal ass cheeks. No one would see it coming. First of all, love the capitalization of Fancy Seat as though it's a mech. And also, I forgot to watch a Metal Gear Solid 3 video, so I apologize, but metal ass cheeks provide no tactical advantage whatsoever. <laughs> see, I would have just gone with old Ocelot because that's an easier one to do. But he does the young Ocelot. Young Ocelot is the one who talks about engravings. Um, he does that in five, though. Does he? Yeah, he's talking about uh, the engravings on someone's revolver. He's schooling the news I on the I thought that was in three. No, no, he gets told that by Snake in three. Because he's got the fancy runs. Exactly once. Oh, that's great! Yeah, that's who he learned that from. He's imitating that's the boss. That's so good! Yeah. All right. How I did you that. miss that? Because I do not like Metal Gear Solid 3, because I hate trivial inconveniences repeated a lot of times, and that's what going into the menu to change your camo is. That's what playing Wolfstride is! Buddy, let me tell you. Uh, and then also, Metal Gear Solid 5 I also do not like, because it's islands of interactivity and there's literally nothing else. But you spend apologies forever to, there. Apologies so. to blowing out your ear, Ryan. It's fine. Oh, to Ryan. I apologize. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> I said that was fine for you. Um, <laughs> Knife says he's not going to make tea this time. He had to pee in a beer bottle mid last match, but uh, didn't go like it does in the movies. God. <laughs> who else? In who else fight. has a mental tier of bottles that are easiest to pee in for road trips? Mm, no, it. Uh, I've had horrible experiences with that. It sucks. I only screw top milk a gallon jugs. Otherwise, no. Yeah, I. I well, then road trip as kids. Got it. I thought that I was going to get permanent kidney damage one road trip. It it hurts so bad, and it was so. I never mind. No one. No one needs to know this. You don't have to cut this. But also, I'm not going to finish. Tip for everyone. Literally the best one. Gatorade bottles. That's, that's the road trip story. I'm not going to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Just Gatorade bottles, you can stick a whole ass dick in, or you can use something if you're a lady. It'll all work. It's a wide mouth. So did he miss? Did he spill? Or did he get his dick stuck in it? Oh, oh it, it spilled. It spilled. Okay. Yeah, it got everywhere. It's too small I like the chaos option of getting stuck. That implies well, we that to... he got his dick in there and then got hard. Not, That's look, the only I'm way that gonna... works. I'm not going to shame the shape of nice dick. That's up to you. Go ahead. You call knife a needle dick right now. That's what you just did by saying he could get it in a beer bottle. And you know what? That's fine. It's okay. And our fight, Kenyon is excited to see us. Knife says it's thanks to him, but Bolt reminds him that he kicked the old man's ass himself and he deserves to be here. After a round, Kenyon Bolt is impressed with the result of our team's hard work and says he wants to go full throttle and really enjoy his last fight. He was basically given the ultimatum of choosing between destroying his body and mech fighting, which he likes, or continuing to sing and dance as a pop star, which he likes more. And that's it. Uh, this is this is just for the sports fans out there. Canyon Bolt is like Andrew Luck. Uh, you know, he's he's making an offhand comment that ends up saying a lot about professional sports, destroying your body for other people's entertainment and how at some point, if you have other hopes and dreams, it's just not worth it. The potential of CTE real bad. Uh, shout out to Andrew Luck uh, for for going out and being like, you know what? I am a very good football player, but I don't care because it's ruining me and also might destroy my brain. Peace out. Love that about Canyon Bolt. 
Hell yeah. Post fight, we're just given a great part. It's like the second best chest plate, unless you want the heal bonus from the Thunderstruck hull. Mm-hmm. And then oh, the announcer shit. tells us, what's up? Oh, it's not Lonfair who uh, doesn't, who, who whose text is, hey, armor's up, and then doesn't use its right arm. Lonfair uses his right arm. I misspoke. It's Canyon Bolt that I was frustrated with uh, having to waste a couple turns on the yeah. right arm for. Sorry. Also, my guy, I have a move named after you that's taunting with my right arm. What are you doing? <laughs> it's for called Kit. I learned it from fighting you. <laughs> Which is so funny to me because it implies that that is the worst way he can guard. And he was just doing that in the fight where he held back. And actually, he's, his mech is so swole. It's the pecs is where it's at. <laughs> I love that. Because that's basically the implication of this him not using this move and doing it differently. And the announcer tells us we have two days until Ocean 5. Jack is wigged out about this because that's number two. Canyon's squad is huddled up again in the bar. They are not thrilled their idol lost. Canyon is so much more handsome. That means whoever wrote the script is an idiot. They're going to have a DV night and cram ice cream to drown their sorrow. There is the start of a drunk guy appearing in this bar who we cannot speak to. Peepoo's quest to learn about humanity takes him to alcohol. He cannot understand why humans are fond of it, but the bartender tells him they all drink to forget. And this gives Pipu his most galaxy-brained idea yet. He will start the robot revolution by getting the entire human race drunk as fuck and let us crash and stumble and ruin our own lives by ourselves. Pipu demands the bartender teach him, and he begins chuckling evilly as the bartender starts to tell him how to make the killer margarita. <laughs> this is great. I I loved this. I loved this whole, like, oh, oh, I can take over the world by making everyone alcoholics. It's so evil. It's great. People just like vacillating back and forth between I want to be a human and I want to rule and destroy them all as he goes through his existential crisis. But that just proves that people is more human than he thought. <laughs> yeah, no, that just proves that he's a questionable content character. <laughs> Duke is extremely drunk, and because Pipu is on his bullshit again, he makes a joke about Duke's mother, which sends Duke into a depression because he remembers what his life is. Big oof. Mm-hmm. Jack fanboys overnight for a minute. It's, you know, hey, yeah, cool, I'm on the winning team. If we talk to Ska, he will congratulate us on our fight. I'm he sorry, we gotta go back for a second. I just remembered because of the scene that the fancy seat has basically a rocket thruster in it, and Jack could get up there by doing fucking evil Knievel off a ramp on his fucking sick rocket wheelchair. Okay, I'll accept that. I mm-hmm. believe that now. <laughs> That's why he's breathing so heavily. He's like really like adrenaline, you know? <laughs> G-forces would also really make that thing wreck your ass. <laughs> That's why his ass is square it's from when he lands on the thing really hard. <laughs> they shouldn't have made it a titanium frame, Jack. Ska congratulates us on our fight, and then tells Shade he thinks mech battling as a sport is declining in quality year over year. You're 17. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's a 17-year-old fail son, though. Yeah. He- <clears throat> he's been doing this for two years. Wow, ever since I got in the game, it's been bad, huh? God. The boy feels pilots are going soft. Victory should result from a combination of pilot training and skill, nothing more. How dare these people with rich mechs come in and just do shit with overpowered numbers. God, I want to push this kid in a fucking locker so bad. Yeah, for real. And so Shade asks a rather human question, uh, what's eating you? And Scott tells him there's some unfair play happening. As a result, our end of day cinema today is an announcement saying that pilots number Nine and eight have been disqualified and are being sent off the island. The remaining pilots are advised not to make deals that jeopardize the tournament's fairness. These two turn out to be Panchi and the drunk at the bar. Which turns out to not be true. This is like a this is like a real script problem. Mm hmm. Right, because uh, it's the same it, it, it's the same character model that ends the day in that in the scene a few days from now. Yeah. Uh, so we hit day 55, seven days remaining, two days to Ocean 5. The Ocean 5 strategy is the Mecha Info. She is famous for putting enemies in deadlock and f- famous for knocking back enemies when in close range. Or uh, the game says knockbacking, which as a person who invents words all the time, I will accept. And also uh, the tips, too many arms to see where the hit is coming from, which it feels like Canyon Bolt was throwing subtle shade at the four arms thing during uh, his fight, because at one point he says, but for me, it doesn't matter if you're a four-armed guitarist holding a five-neck electric guitar from hell if the only thing you know how to do is play happy birthday and ocean five does turn out to be a very one note fighter despite her four arms ocean five is the exact same thing that i do but i get to go first so goodbye ocean five yeah also don't fucking bring a knockback specialty mech to a masochist fight come on masochist is really overpowered like by a lot it's great it's so good plus 30 it's Mm -hmm. wild so, ZZ, I, God, I almost called her Double Zeta, and it was not an I intentional callback. Uh, so, ZZ warns us about Margot's Ocean 5. She says it's not easy to get it to stand on two legs without... <laughs> yeah. She's, like, very concerned about the construction of Ocean 5 and what it means for the mech's strength, because it's not easy to get a mech to stand on two legs without being crushed by its own weight. So, the fact that her mech has two additional arms is an engineering miracle. Pipu is sad that Panchi cheated and fixed a fight. He was a super fan of this, like, influencer who's like, oh my god, followers are all that matters, and feels betrayed. Yeah, never uh, never become a fan of influencers. That's your problem, people. We talk to Duke, and he feels very strongly about cheating. He says, hell is full of cheaters and pretenders. It's a 24-7 party you're too old to enjoy, and there's nowhere to sit. They only play one song, the one you hate on max volume. Also, everyone is ugly, but also they're all naked and it's hot as hell there. Also, the only drink available is boiling hot, sugarless black coffee. 
Neb chimes in to say, they, first of all, this is very revealing about Duke's conception of hell, which is great. And then Neb chimes in to say, they have video games, but only last-gen soccer games, to which Shade can only respond, heavy. Look, this Captain Tsubasa is a great game. Shut the fuck up, Shade. <laughs> That's Neb. Oh, also, this is the thing that most tells you Duke is absolutely a weird mega-conservative guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is very no much like other speech in the game is more I want everyone to suffer cuz I had to. Yeah, very much like I was awkward at a party full of people having fun once and now I don't think anyone should be able to have fun. At the end of the day, Trinket and Killer show up in Shade's room. Shade is correctly baffled they're here, but also that explains his bad feeling. And they're like, listen, we just stopped by given that we got in. Trinket feels lied to. Shade told him the mech was trash and the pilot terrible. Uh, so, you know, remember, Shade was trying to fix the very first fight in the game so Knife would lose. And Trinket is like, you told us it was going to be an easy win. Yet here you are, currently the fifth best in the world. Thankfully, Trinket and Killer have their ways. They and the other pilots here have no... Sorry, we and the other pilots here have no idea what we've gotten ourselves into. The situation is much bigger than a mech tournament, and we should stay out of their way for our own safety. Reminder, it's been a really long time. Easy to forget. But these guys are basically CIA. Mm, I thought that they were from some sort of organized crime group basically no CIA. it's called the cia yeah, yeah at the start of the game they have a very big focus on fucking communists remember right 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 um you know the, the mob also hated communists so you can understand wow uh, i see i couldn't come up with anything <laughs> i tried really to no years of lead baby over here <laughs> Day 57, at the start of the day, in the team meeting, Shade tells the group that Godworm's team has made it into the tournament. He warns them that they are likely to try to cheat their way through the tournament. Uh, Shade tries to duck ZZ asking if they shouldn't just tell the tournament committee. Uh, Duke catches that this, like, uh, this, like, conversational evasion and pushes, asking Shade, what do you know about this and who are Godworm's managers anyway? And she's like, don't worry about it. And then the scene fades out. God, it's just like lining his head up for the guillotine right here. Oh, yes. So new gear has arrived. Yeah, very exciting. A lot of good new gear. Uh, I don't think that because this is where I mentioned last recording. I think that not all of these are fresh parts and some of these might no. be things which were minigame locked RNG stuff. Uh-huh. And, um... Like you, I think I think you can buy the Karma engine if you didn't win it in the basement, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Despite this, Start though, the two engine. strongest arm parts in the game are the ones you get from late battle pass and the five star underground arena. Yeah. So if you have those, a lot of this isn't worth the shit. But it's and, the frames, which is the good shit. But you already have those. No, not, well, the, so, not the not the hull, the frames that go underneath it, like the full pack frame and the Megara frame, or what you were using before, probably. And See, I like already had those. those. I I could not upgrade my arms. Oh, interesting. Uh, I did. I had maybe like one end game part at this point because I stopped doing the battle pass and underground battles when they got too difficult. 
And uh, funny story, this new gear completely just makes the five-star underground fights so easy and makes maxing yeah. out the battle pass so easy. And it, and I was a little bit sad, but also I was like, well, I'm glad that I got to complete these anyway. You know what? You know what I'm suddenly bothered by is that you brought the fucking the game console, but not the trophies from the battle pass. And when you go back, the trophies are gone also. So now I'm sad. I wanted to look yeah. at my battle pass trophies. They're all in boxes. I hate the battle pass trophies as a reward, though, because it's like, God damn it. Just give me pineapples, please. That's all I want. I like to look at them. I like it. All right. That's what you get as a gamer. You get meaningless little treats. That's what it's <laughs> fair. So this is the final wave of gear in the game. Uh, Peepoo gets nothing, only Z with parts. And I will say I had maxed out the money on around day 12. And this final wave of gear, even doing my usual buy five of everything in the game move, did not drop me below 600,000 real dollars, which tells you a lot about how borked this economy is. Yeah. It does have a very like Hollow Knight economy problem where money is really only an issue for the first half of the game generously. Hollow Knight has an economy? Yeah. 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 And it stops mattering halfway through the game. Kind of. When you want to get all the badges and stuff, then it matters a lot all of a sudden. Yeah, but I have so many bug coins by that point. Oh, look at look at fucking MLG Ryan Beatty over here. Never lost any money. <laughs> My favorite joke in here is the Running Man engine, which just gives you a lot of move points and just says, I've never seen this movie, but I suppose the man's got to run at some point, right? <laughs> Very good to me. Jack is uh, at the hangar. Jack is understandably upset about the potential reappearance of the guy who has left him bound in a wheelchair. May isn't, though. She's going to kick him in the balls. Peepoo volunteers to monitor Cowboy overnight so there's no sabotage. Which makes me feel at ease knowing that Peepoo's legs are too short and he can't walk. <laughs> Duke tells Shade uh, that he doesn't believe him and knows that some bullshit is go up and going to happen as a result of this. Yeah, God, this this whole thing where it's, I understand why Jack is so mad that the Godworm folks are here. And also the whole time I'm like, that's more shades fault than you know just like you're gonna hate this man if you ever find out oh yeah uh and then we get the mad marco hype reel which i do not like mm, I, I don't like think it. it's great but i'm gonna act the hell out of it I, I, okay. I like it for two very specific reasons which i will go into after I, we're done the thing that bothers me is this is like a maximum privilege unpacking delivered over what basically I spent an hour of my life typing this up. <laughs> got it. Got it. So Margot's hype reel goes a very different way than the. Well, it's a slick production package, but not in the same way, because it is a variety of scenes in the background flipping by without the actor tokusatsu riz of what Canyon Bolt had. So here is Margot's entire monologue. The the visuals kind of don't matter. I think they I think they record these themselves, which explains why Canyon yes. Bolt is like this and then Mad Margot's is like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably why we don't have one, because can you imagine any of our characters owning a camera? 
Oh god, can you imagine Peepu narrating the cowboy hype reel? <laughs> Fuck yeah. I, Coming if, out of the hell of the Chinese Empire. If we t- if we took uh, if we took Kala with us, I bet I bet that she knows how to operate a camcorder. Well, that's why we had to write her out of the story. Yep. Baby, you can say my name, Madeline Margot, because my mother is a fancy woman with taste. I was raised in Baltimore along with my three youngest brothers. Now, baby, let me enlighten you on what it meant to live in that neighborhood. I was very lucky to have a supportive, loving family. My father was, and still is, the best man on earth. But back then, we were struggling like hell just to survive like many other families in the ghetto. I've lost friends to crime, to drugs, and to violence. Hopelessness hovered over our heads like a starving vulture. It was impossible for a black woman to become anything then. Most of my friends were survivors in a hell doing anything they could to stay alive. But I was lucky because my parents had a dream of seeing me through college. Unfortunately for them, I was one of the worst students in my class. But they never gave up on me. I didn't get it. Why was I learning all that bullshit? Most of it didn't make sense to me. But I was a nerd and hell yeah did I love mechs. I wouldn't know 37 divided by 3, but I knew how much an entourage model spent on gas per minute during an evasive I don't know if that is either, to be fair. (laughs) Killed my flow! I'm sorry. Lucky me, my physics teacher understood and respected my line of interest. I didn't make myself up. From the beginning, I had people who believed in me. People who took their time to understand me. That's how I got into Harvard, Stanford, and became a chair at MIT. I had the potential. I just needed a chance. So when the opportunity came, I took it. But I understand not everybody's got that chance. Not everybody's got support from their parents or anyone. So yeah, baby, I'm a mech pilot, ranked second in the world, which I say proudly. Because that woman ranked first. I wouldn't accept it from anyone but her. But I also want to make the world a better place. I want everyone to have a chance. It doesn't matter where they come from, what they do. I'm making a statement every time I fight. So, hell yeah, every punch I deliver is political. And I equip myself with forearms to handle the demand. 77% of my income is devoted to scholarship programs for those in need. The other 33% are investments for science and technology. Because this ain't enough for me, baby. I want to send my kids to space in a rocket they built themselves. My mech is an entourage model, yes, but my people, my friends, made sure to add another set of arms and improve his overall performance by 42%. You want to know why it's called Ocean 5? Because that's my domain on Earth. Everything on the planet is within my reach. My arms stretch around the globe for anyone who truly needs them. That being said, I can't wait to show you Sky. All right, so seeing it all laid out like this, it feels like it is trying to skewer the idea of like perfect liberal representation. But because it is uh, Wolfstride, they pour it on so thick and then also pair it with a very black exploitation accent to the point where i think that it misses the mark that they're trying like i i see what they're doing but it's just too much the reason why i 
was tickled by this, though, is just the little simple touch that it is the slowest character portrait zoom in of all time, because this is an extremely long monologue. There's footage happening in the background, and uh, Mad Margot's character portrait, where she's like, you know, basically like perfectly coiffed and sitting in essentially a throne, starts out as tiny, and then over the course of this whole monologue, just very, very slowly gets larger and larger in the frame. And it's like minutes. And that is why I got tickled. Just that 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 very slow character portrait zoom in was ridiculous and funny to me. Oh, I thought you were just chuckling because the whitest member of this podcast by a mile just did that voice for the whole monologue. I, I, I saw mean, you biting your lip. That yes, yes, you yeah, I uh huh. But also, I had things about the game to say too. <laughs> All right, now retake it in Obama voice, though. <laughs> God, baby, you can say my name, <laughs> Madeline Margot, because my mother is a, a fancy woman with taste. All right, now, you. let me be clear: I was raised in Baltimore. Uh, I would have if you'd given me that direction beforehand. <laughs> I bet you would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I understand. Like, this is supposed to be a joke about the kind of people that donate to the Clinton Foundation. But also, it has too many signifiers of, yeah. like, extremely online leftist discourse. Yeah. Like, no one yeah, is yeah, canceling yeah. Mad Margot. You could just cut all that shit. You don't need her to call her and please her friends. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah. I understand people don't get it. You don't need to do that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. My problem sick, with this. And I do like the joke about uh, I'm just uh, looking at the sky when you get laid out. Good stuff. My problem with this is. The character as described feels like it's ripping on Beyonce. What's better than one black billionaire two? that kind of shit. But yeah, she's killer Mike. The mm. character as described here, especially when you just look at it as text, feels like an extended slam on a person who's very innocent of this Janelle Monet. It, yeah, it, it yeah, it, that's the that's the thing by by going so hard it misses the mark that it feels like they're going for. Also, we've never spoken to this person at all right yeah, this gets way worse with the last one yeah and that's uh, that that's an overall complaint that i have uh is that i we just like we don't spend enough time with the opponents and then when we finally do get them they're in these extremely long monologues tacked on at the very end of the game and it doesn't feel like we can like land our own opinion about any of these characters and like I get that Mad Margot and Engelbrecht are not going to Rain City. They're not hanging out at Joy's Bar. They're not mingling with the other pilots. But you gotta do something. Why were there not just more news shows about the actual, like, going on of the tournament? Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like a weekly report with yeah, absolutely. Like or whatever. Non-end of chapter days should have had updates on some of the big names in the world. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Be- and like, this is the this is the thing about making a like fighting tournament 
story, uh, you know, that that is heavily influenced by fighting tournament anime is that, like, that's the big thing that this game is missing is, like, episodic details about your opponents. We don't get enough, and it's a big bummer. And, like, man, it really sucks that Godworm turns out to be our rival because you put Fancy Jack in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I... Feels- really bad for like the arc of the overall story like vegeta just hanging out there will go in a wheelchair where goku fights majin buu or whatever absolutely so we're now at day 58 there are five days remaining this is fight night with ocean five in the elevator to the hangar team cowboy pumps each other up uh, i have no notes for this fight because it was immediately over yeah, this also, this was a cakewalk for me, too. I also have no notes for this fight. Looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. They they build this character up in a lot of ways. Boy, I don't know how that mech is standing, etc. But then it's not a particularly challenging fight. This is another one of those ones like Tank that's just a numbers check. Yeah. and Also, like, I don't think this fight is that cool. Like this, actually, sorry. What I mean is, I don't think this robot is that cool either, because the lower pair of arms is horizontal, and then the other ones are really up instead of there being space between them. So it just looks like what two really fat arms. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and because you of to... how this engine works, they don't have multiple yeah. arms to target. Right, right. You right. don't have to. You don't have to. You don't that have to worry about so the sick. arms. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the arms at all, and it's especially well, frustrating because the next fight actually introduces some new mechanics and new strategy. And it's like, Oh, okay. So they have this capability. Yep. I think what the problem is, is that the gear comes too early. Mm. If you didn't get a gear upgrade, this would be really good. This would be much more challenging. And if you didn't, because the real, I think the real gimmick is that there's no like animation tell on charge moves. For which arm it comes out of so you don't know what to disable mm-hmm. i think that's the gimmick that they're going for here but you get gear too early so it doesn't matter because you never see any of that and i bet that you could target these other arms and that people found that way too challenging all of a sudden mm-hmm. like can you imagine four arms where there were two layers of taunt i don't think so just because of how it looks under the code yeah i know but could you imagine four arms and like oh, two of these arms would, could taunt? It would be so, it would be a lot. It would be great. Yeah, it would make this fight something. Yeah. Because then you'd actually, I would actually have to ever change my build and be able to sustain being in combat. Right. And here's the problem. From this day onwards, you have basically defined your final build. Mm-hmm. And we are about to get five more fights yeah but at least a couple of the additional uh, at least a couple of the fights remaining have some care designed into them so that they feel three of them have some stupid shit to change it up but they're not good design i have some beef with the day 60 events Mm. oh man so we get a new engine as a fight reward uh, and the announcer lets us know that we've got one day until Yankee. 
uh, and Jack is like, Yankee is rank four. And uh, Duke is like, wait, what the fuck? We're going down? And it, and everyone's like, be patient. This is just how the tournament works. It's fine. Like, we're def- we have to defend our spot as well. We're number two now. Killer Queen is on the horizon. Just chill. Yeah, you get paired down sometimes, Duke. Yeah. Duke's never gone to Friday Night Magic. (laughs) Duke's never watched Evo. At the bar, Jack is blown away by the whole four arms thing. He's like, oh, maybe if I install a counterweight, I could I could put a third arm on Fancy Jack. And Neb suggests a third arm on the on uh Jack's back like a scorpion, which he was like, Yeah, that's what I was thinking about doing. Alright, I got bad news about the arm on your back and the full metal ass cheeks. You can only have one. <laughs> But otherwise you're gonna be so back heavy you're just gonna like fall on your butt when the fight no, no, no. starts here's how jack does it you armor the shit out of the front and you just turn this thing into a curvy lady no mm. dude you just do the you put like three ac20s on there like it's battle tech and you're good to go god you cannot bring <laughs> battle tech design to this game when you fire then you lean backwards because all your ammo is gone and now you're really like Oh my god, you lean back and the ass is so big that it's just like a tripod to just keep you up. (laughs) Artillery style. Incredible idea that, like, Jack, who is having trouble getting a girlfriend and keeps asking advice about it, just designs his uh, mecha into his girlfriend like he's Tetsuya Nomura. So... What does her look like in this world? Oh my god. Um... Duke, who is definitely wasted because that's who Duke is already. He's like, four arms, five arms, 1,000 crappy body holders. Bring it on. We'll tear them all down. You're, you're crap, kiddo. You're a monster. And Knife is this. just, yeah. Knife is just silent. He's like, uh, okay. Well, it's so good. This is the most supportive Duke has ever been. It's so nice. Oh, yeah. No, he's a happy drunk, but uh, also. Until five seconds later. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, um, the you you can talk to the guy seated at the bar and it gives you the end of day prompt. And but like you also like there's nothing else to do. So and even going back to your room, you can't call it a day from your room. So you just have to end the day here. Uh, and uh, the whole gang seated at the bar, and Duke, Duke asks, how many more until we're done here? Jack tells us that there are still three more to go. It would be awesome to face the queen in the finals, but you never know. Knife says they'll get there. As long as he's got his crew, he's got nothing to worry about. And then the drunk guy pipes up in an awful drunk Appalachian guy accent, revealing himself to be Mr. K, Yankee's pilot. He lets us know. I will he's- say. This is specifically like Northeast Appalachian, not like Southern Appalachian. It's like a very specific accent. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mr. K lets us know he's going to kick our asses, but for now, drinks are on him, and then he orders another round, and the scene briefly fades out before fading in again on K saying, and that's why Aunt Shirley never rode a pony in her swimsuit ever again. Duke and Knife are disgusted by whatever the story was, and Kay says, wait till you hear about my godmother, Jessie. We then fade out and in again, and Jack is gone. Mr. Kay's wrapping up another story with, and that's why no one ever goes to my birthday parties since. 
Knife finds that very sad. Yet another fade out and in, and it's just Pipu who's horizontal on the ground, being knocked out of his bar stool at some point, and Duke, and they're just surrounded by empty bottles on the floor. Uh, and the bartender's Mr. head is like on fire from making yeah. getting drinks all day. And then Mr. K uh, has a uh, drunk gay feelings come out moment that's handled very grossly to me. And Mr. K's like, do you think I'm pretty? I mean, I'm always trying to lose weight. Duke finds it relatable. He looks like an old geezer, but is only 32. Mr. K then tells him he's pretty and would kiss him. Uh, Duke tries to laugh it off, and Mr. K says, No kidding. You got some juicy lips, dog. Been a while since I felt it. Hey, did I tell you about my ex-wife? Another fade, and Duke is asleep. Also, Mr. K is bummed. He's still got plenty to go. He then laughs, saying, We fell for his plan, and tells us to have a good night. So, uh, just related to the lips comment, since we didn't call it out, really don't love the way all of the canyon bolt-headed uh, groupies all have a pseudo-blackface lips thing going on. I think they could have worked that design a little better. They could. It's it. They're supposed to be canyon bolt masks, but yeah, the way that the faces look is is grody. Also, the even though it's 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 confusing North Appalachian with South, South Appalachian. The whole, like, you got some juicy lips, you just sure got a pretty mouth on you. It feels like a callback to Deliverance, which I also really, it just, it, the whole, it grosses me out a lot. Yeah, just figured while we're doing the grapes and bad vibes, let's just hit that one too. Good mm-hmm. news, this isn't the homophobia I put the content warning in for. I forgot there was oh. also this homophobia. Great. It takes us to day 59. Four days remaining. It's real. We're almost done. Just kidding. (laughs) There is an announcement. Our fight with Yankee tomorrow is canceled. Mr. K has withdrawn for health reasons and is now in care at their medical facility. It is funny to me that the original, the in the game, it says the health facility like these motherfuckers are Konami. The schedule will proceed as planned, however. Godworm will be taking Yankee's place tomorrow. In our meeting, the gang is rattled, and uh, Mr. K is in an alcoholic coma. Sick plan, Mr. K. So, related to that, since Mr. K is kind of implied to be in with the Godworm crew, and his comment about the plan, I think he was told they were going to do this to Duke, and then they just gassed Mr. K. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. Maybe they hit him with the Bernie heart attack gun. Who knows? Back in the hangar, Jack is pissed. Just hearing Godworm's name makes his blood boil. Uh, And then he just says, do it for me. Rip that motherfucker up until there's nothing left. Fucking get his ass, Jack. (laughs) May admits she's worst girl by telling us she's thinking of becoming a cop when this is all over. Boo. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, I didn't take screenshots of her dialogue. Was she doing a bunch of demon shit for you no. two here? Oh, some of it, yes. Not all the time. Okay, because I think I broke something in the game thought that I didn't do her exorcism, because she was going full, I am going yeah, to rend your all. hearts. and. But it doesn't come up again until the hangar stuff. Mm. Yeah, I know. That's the bit. Well, every time she's there in Witch Time, she does that. And sometimes when you talk to her in the scrapyard, it's just like her bit now is, I'm still a little possessed. Don't worry about it. 
All right. I just wanted to make sure. Z tells us she double checked cowboy. There are no signs of sabotage. Uh, Knife is spooked about the godworm thing. And uh, Peepoo is sad about Mr. K, seeing he seemed like a nice fella, which is very <laughs> uh, conde- condemnatory of Peepoo. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Peepoo was fucked up on the floor during part of that. I do love that Peepoo just can't get up. That's very good to me. Mm-hmm. Day 60, three days remaining. It's time to fight Godworm. Duke wakes Shade up, saying that Knife is missing. It has been gone all morning. Uh, and Chase like, did you look at the bathroom? Fuck off, dude. <laughs> the announcer calls teams to stations and there is panic amongst our crew. The staff haven't seen Knife and when the gang looked around, they couldn't find him either. Shade assumes that this is the work of Killer and Trinket. ZZ says the staff won't postpone the fight. They're just going to have to take an L for no reason, which sets Duke off big time. Shade is going to look around the island for him while the gang tries to stall. And from this, we cut to a closet where Knife is tied up with Trinket They have so and much kill- stemware in this closet, which is why I took a <laughs> screenshot of it. <laughs> I was wondering why this specific bit. But yes, they have got him tied up and set up a TV so he can watch the finals from what they presume is going to be a longer-term captivity. Back in Shade's room, Shade has now vanished, and Z tells the gang each team is allowed to have one backup pilot. Jack's upset, obviously, that it cannot be him. Neb volunteers, saying that she knows everything there is to know about Cowboy and has been training with Knife the entire time. Duke tries to deny this, but Z supports her. If Ska can do it and he's underage, why can't she? Jack says he's got a license, and Z goes, Are you a cop? Which is my favorite Z line in the entire game. Uh Uh-huh. Z rocks. Yeah, They're just going to sneak her into the fight because the audience is only going to see Cowboy anyway. Z says she'll take care of the cameras while Jack protests they could be disqualified. And Z says, if we're going to lose anyway, at least this gives us a chance. So Z and Neb sabotage power between the room and the hangar, giving Neb a chance to stealth down the hallway. Now, Uh, oh, go ahead. You first. You first. I was just going to say, like, this sequence to me is really good. Like, it's got a unique song, which would be the song for this, ep- one of the songs for this episode. It's got the great cartoon tiptoe sound effect. There's like new animations and art for Neb, uh, like the the one the one that Sybil got a screenshot of for me, where she tucks into a nook I really love. And then they have this setup where you get to do it. And then if you get caught, you just get to opt out immediately. I will say that for being a one hit, you know, what one spot fail kind of thing it's too long it's so it's nice that it, it'll it'll let you skip it but like there are there are like too many like too too many sneaking sections i think for for what this is actually doing but it is great well, i agree you have to sneak it is great every single one of the canyon groupies Right. Is it even the the extremely tall lanky one which i'm glad that they yeah. had a unique model for that one so This is the first of my gripes for this day, which is this entire thing is just meant to put a button on the fact that this island is Shadow Moses, which is why we stuck a stealth section in for no reason. Mm. And the fact that they instantly add a skip button for it means they know this, especially because they made the hallway 2.5 times longer than the hallway is to traverse as shade. So... 
this whole thing. Oh, yeah, because they like teleport you to the farthest room when Shade has the closest room to the elevator you're going to. Well, even if you walk the other end, Shades mm-hmm. is not this long. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's way longer. I measured it. I measured in screenshots 2.5 times. Hmm. Yeah. So they made a whole background for this. They coded this whole bit. And again, this is one of those things where instead of buckling down and doing some things that contributed to either half of the game as designed, we just put a lot of work into this one bit to put a button on a joke. And yeah. then we, whether you skip it or not, uh, don't know who else got the achievement for this. Uh, kill me. There the, are no uh, achievements on uh, on the Switch. So not me, but I did it. I got it last time. It was fine. Uh, if you skip yeah. it, it just goes, and, and Neb made it to the hangar. <laughs> I wondered. Uh, yeah, you get so a little dialogue box. You get to the elevator and head in where the power comes back on and Z puts on a show like knife is in the cockpit and we're all good to go. You then cut away and the staff say they know what we did and it's not going to fly. But Canyon Bolt is like, no, this is funny. Let's see what happens. Fucking very rich guy energy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the fight screen appears with Trinket and Killer looking horrified in Godworm because Nebraska making the face is in Cowboy. Oh, it's so good. It's, like, yeah. it's the highest death version of this that you get in the game. And it's and 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 it's like mad instead of, oh, shit, I got caught. So she's like instead of doing her weird little pursed lips thing, she's she's like sneering and uh, and Trinket and Killer both look terrified in their portrait, uh-huh. which will get a very brief explanation in just a second. Trinket and Killer are incredibly worried because they expected a win by forfeit and ask who the hell they're fighting. Nebraska simply responds, it's me, motherfuckers. Hell yeah. Here is the second thing I hate about Day 60. Neb has a completely unique fucking weird loadout. You oh. can't see it all before you get to this fight. I love this, but Well, go they on. change your gear too, so it's, it's fine. Like, I only had but that's the thing. two ammo in my main build, and here I have six all of a sudden. But as a result, nah, you have no way to prepare for this fight. This is all trial and error. But you have no preparing to do, is what I'm saying. Because nothing matters. They completely change your loadout. So this is just the fight it is. You can't be equipped wrong for the fight. Sure, but I do also hate that when you have been developing your endgame playstyle right here, suddenly everything is yanked away from you. I don't know how many times do you, how many times do I gotta push Moneymaker, you know what I mean? It's fine. I would rather I'd rather have the variety. This was the longest fight for me in the endgame just because none of this is my playstyle. Um Yeah, well, I, that's because there's not really a playstyle, and that's what I like about it. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed having to switch up my playstyle because because the fights were getting so rote. I was like, oh shit, okay, I've got to like read all these moves and figure out how I'm gonna do this. I I loved this fight. I love yeah. being done in two turns or less. I don't love that I now have to figure out what Gypsy Guard does. That's a move, by the way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, don't love that. Um I uh so dead punk shot which uh deals 20 damage to the chest and also disables the chest for that person's next turn so they can't do any any of their like nano moves I guess uh mm-hmm. the animation for it is hilarious because she like so cowboy aims a gun and shoots, and then a whole other cowboy comes out of the gun to slam into the chest of the other mech, which I thought was hilarious. It is a cowboy gun that shoots other cowboys. A lot of these animations are cowboy doing moves from Nebraska's karate loop. Mm. Like, that's what Sing Sing Death Punch is. It's like the, the rapid punching kick is the exact same. It's really good to me. Yeah. It's worth noting that the other reason why this fight will take a while is that all because she's not knife, she doesn't have the same prowess or whatever. All of the moves are for much lower damage totals than we're used to. Um, well, yeah. Also, they had to do the last second mech tuning completely in the dark. <laughs> right. Right. I think Trickett and Killer here have like um, pretty interesting moves for an opponent. Uh, they do like a full arena knockback and then like a sniper shot. Uh, probably equivalent to like your Dragonov move, but lower damage. They have like the charge, multiple different charge multi-hit attacks for different distances. And the result of this loadout and Godworm's AI is that you actually have to play pretty reactively and move around like a lot. Like kick is your best move, but the easiest way to set it up because it has like this minimum range of three, which is pretty long, it would be cornering them. But doing that puts you in a minus 15 slot because the arena is weird too. And that makes it really bad all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So as a result, you're just like improving a lot. Pretty good. So after the fight, Shade finds uh, where Knife is being held in that closet. She's very surprised because he was not watching the fight, but Knife was because of that TV. And Knife was like, oh my God, did you see it? Cowboy kicked major ass. Back in the hangar. Canyon Bolt rolls up. He's like just it fl- like flying on top of the on top of the like uppermost girders that are there to help fix the head frame. And his scarf is flowing in the wind and shit. Uh, and he's like, "Listen, I know that was super illegal, but also it was a great fight. So I'm not going to tell anybody." He says that it rocks to be mega rich, rendering him above the law. It, entertainment, well, he all he cares say about. That, but that's the vibe of what he says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Canyon also lets us know that because of all of this, we are in second place and wishes us good luck against the queen. Duke is over the fucking moon that we made it this far. Just one more fight between him and freedom. We then cut to Shade and Neb standing somewhere that overlooks the mountains through huge windows. Yeah, they're just like hanging out in the hallway from fucking Lufia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Endgame Sinistral Fortress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Shade asks Neb when she learned how to pilot. Neb tells him over time while training with Knife. Shade tells her not to get too used to it. She'll give her mom a heart attack. Nebraska asks if he still thinks about her. 
Shade says, yeah, she was a big part of my life. And she's like, well, do you miss her? And he's like, not really. I miss those moments when we were still happy, but that's not who, uh, but they're not who they used to be anymore. He's like, the woman I loved is somewhere stuck in the past. The her now is someone else. Nebraska is like, you really piss me off sometimes, which uh, understandable. He's talking about her mom, uh, then asks what happens after this fight. Shay doesn't know. He hasn't thought about it yet. He'll probably go any way the wind blows. Nebraska's like, what the hell does that mean? Shade doesn't answer and instead suggests they head back in. He thinks to himself that his time is running out. That means he's going to fucking abandon you again. Time for your once per episode reminder that trying to be a better person, not the same as doing it. Mm-hmm. Two, two, two things here. A, put a pin in this for next episode. B, my third thing that I hate about this, Godworm comes to nothing plot-wise. No, it sucks really bad because you can't just fight Jack. If you fought Jack every time you fought Godworm, except in the tutorial and in the church, I think that would be cool for it to just be weird that the tutorial guy you blew up came back. That's fine to me. Hell, keep the church thing as a weird way and put GW Spectre on the thing because that's where he falls out of the story anyway. Yeah, that would be great. Sucks ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the GW thing is a good idea, because then you don't need Jack there to motivate you at all, and you could just fight Jack instead. Because we, I mean, no pun when I say this, cut Jack off at the legs in the story. Yeah, we do. He just stops doing anything once he goes into that coma. Yeah. Hmm. We go to day 61. There are two days remaining. Shade and Coltrane are lying on the ground in silence. Absolutely beaten to shit. This is where we get like one of those like um, large like hand drawn art assets. There's just like a mass of bumps and uh, mm-hmm. like bloody noses. Still smoking, laying on the ground. Yeah, I love that. Still for them, smoking though. cigarettes. That's great. Coltrane says he didn't join the ranks to become a punching bag. He was in it for respect. Shade doesn't know what he expected. They're Gaijin. He just needs to shut the fuck up and suck it up. Coltrane is bitter about the recruitment propaganda. They aren't actually a part of a family. They're just pawns in the Yakuza's game. Uh, Shade thinks even being pawns is too lofty. They're weak. When they're in Japan, they're like cockroaches. No one can stand seeing them around. So, like, how much do you two know about actual real-world Yakuza, not the video games? Not much, a other than they seem to be disliked. They're very like disliked, lot. and like, Japan has some of the most anti-organized crime laws on the books. The Yakuza are a bunch of old dudes in those games yeah. because you don't get a lot of new people because here are some of the things you lose out by becoming known as Yakuza. You can't get a cell phone. Like, you can't get a fucking burner. No no service will provide it to you. They are not allowed to give that to organized crime members. You are cut out of any kind of check for where you are living, which basically puts you in the Yakuza's thrall. It is, when they say they're like cockroaches, they are trying to, and making a very good fucking attempt, to exterminate organized crime. This is basically them signing up to go, we have exiled ourselves from polite society on this island for fucking ever. Well, what's weird here to me 
is that it's trying to it's trying to bridge a gap between like Japan's anti-outsider xenophobia and also Japan's like anti-yakuza opinions because Coltrane is like, well, we're treated like shit because, you know, Coltrane and Shade both are like, we're treated like shit because we're Gaijin and also we're treated like shit because we're Yakuza and in conflating the two things, I I, I think it makes either point that they're trying to make whiff a little bit. It, it I have a lot of, I have a lot of trouble with this. I also have a lot of trouble with like, you know, it I don't know how much this studio is comfortable with commenting on this stuff either. Like I it it I don't I don't I don't necessarily trust that this comes from a place of of knowledge on their part necessarily. I you know, that could be uncharitable on my part, but that there is there's just something that is very hinky about introducing this like anti-gaijin stuff here and I think the anti-Yakuza stuff lands better, but it did it, it there there's there's something hinky about this to me. It didn't really it, day work. Day 61, anti-white racism becomes a part of the plot. Yeah. It's been a part of the plot. That's been a thing for Shade the whole time. Every time he talks about Japan, he talks about that. I think the Yakuza stuff is accidental based on like last time the Yakuza came up and like the really weird portrayal of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Yakuza character who keeps showing up as the wise mentor. Yeah. yeah. Like, based on all that stuff and all of our discussions of it, I'm willing to bet that the Yakuza cockroach analogy is accidental. And what they really mean is people hate to see a cockroach when they turn on the lights in their apartment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to give you some context on how fucking wild this is a misfire for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coltrane asks, what's wrong with being different? And Shade can't answer him. Coltrane says, what they need is a zombie apocalypse. It'd be like paradise, which is how you know he's a psycho, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I say that slightly later. Great. Uh, Coltrane elaborates, saying, like you said, we're just two cockroaches. The one thing we know is how to survive. Now imagine a world where our sole purpose is to survive. Shade tells him it wouldn't last a week. Coltrane asks, when the last time you went home without getting a beating is, and Shade can't remember. Coltrane says, we've been taking this shit since we were in high school. He's so bruised, his whole body is blue, and it doesn't even hurt anymore. He's just numb. But it did take nine guys to take them out. Coltrane tells Shade he thinks most of them wouldn't last a day without being part of a flock. The two of them could take them if it was one-on-one. They've been forged in hell. Back to the zombies, though. The first waves will get rid of all the spineless ones. Sure, zombies might be a pain in the ass at the beginning, but when the smoke is gone, all we got left is some hard asses killing each other, and Shade wants to know how that's different from now. Uh, Coltrane wants to start a gaijin going their own way movement. Hell yeah. I'll tell you right, right now, this, oh man, the inherent conservatism of anything zombie related Makes this stick out really bad to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Romero stuff works because it gets much weirder with it than most of the stock stuff. Yeah. And most people don't touch anything after maybe the first two. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It, but, but like... Land of the Dead is basically a very 
pointed critique of capitalism. I love Land of the Dead. That's a great fucking movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm saying Romero really explored this over but the course of his films. Nobody has seen a John Romero movie besides Night of the Living Dead. Let's George. be real. Yeah, sorry, you're right. No one has seen Nobody a has seen Romero a John movie. Romero movie because God knows what that lunatic would make. Oh, yeah. Imagine. Us oh, his imagine. Bitch. Fucking great. Great. Uh... We're all too busy sucking off John Romero to watch his movies. <laughs> uh, John Romero could get it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what John Romero looks like. I'm not willing to sign on to that. Uh, oh, oh! I'll show you. Hold on. Keep. But reading. what I'm saying is, like, no one has seen a George Romero movie. Like, let's be real. When somebody talks about zombie movies, everyone in the world, their average reference point is The Walking Dead or anything mm-hmm. else like that. And all that shit is so wildly conservative, where mm-hmm. it is just homesteading and it's in group versus out group, and out group does in fact deserve to be killed every time. And that's the yeah. message of almost all zombie media. And right. Coltrane gets it because what he says is there'd be no law. We could pack heat and shoot the shit out of everyone. There no fucking mercy. No time for wussies. We're fucking soldiers, bro. You know that when the time comes, many would pee their pants to pull the trigger. But us, we get the fucking job done. That's our time to shine. Absolute fucking psychopath. Yeah, uh, this this could be a monologue from one of the ex-military hitmen. John Romero's hair. <laughs> Like, that is a modern-day John Romero. He's pushing 60. He still looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you saw young Romero, hot as fuck. For real. That, you can leave it me saying, oh, pull John Romero's hair. It's very <laughs> fun to me, actually. <laughs> um, this, like, yeah, this this uh, this monologue from Coltrane could be said by one of the uh, ex-military failure hitmen from Barry. Absolutely. Yeah. Any of the people who live in Bremerton would say this? <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Okay, for the listener, Bremerton, a town with a naval base where I live, and half of them are ultra-NPR libs from Seattle, and then the other half of them are extreme right-wingers because it's a naval base town. Yep. Very weird place to live. Uh, I live in the California equivalent of San Diego. I'm familiar. Shade says, I can't believe I gotta listen to this shit. And Coltrane tells him the Yakuza has lost its heart. It's all about appearances now. They lean more into this in the script where they say, the Yakuza's gone soft. Mm-hmm. Just, oh boy. Uh, I'm gonna be real. I don't know how to say this. But they were talking about Oyubun. And he says, Oyubun is a moron and a loser. As long as we're under his fucking branch, we'll never get a chance to prove our worth. We're wasting away because our Oyabun is a fucking wimp. And then Coltrane says, second thought about those guns of yours. I think we should give it a try. And the scene fades out and Shade thinks to himself that it's a stupid memory. But let's put a pin in that because there's more to come. So today is just a hangar day. Duke is curious where Killer and Trinket went. And Shade says, oh, no, they got away after the fight. May is now thinking, maybe I'll be a mech pilot someday. Z says... Get involved in blood sport instead of being a cop. (laughs) Well, we do have her flash forward where she says there's a lot of bodies in her future. Uh, Z tells Shade he doesn't need to worry about Neb. She handled herself well and is going to be a hell of a woman. 
Knife and Neb are just psyching each other up over the how great the fight was. Neb wants to know when she could pilot again, and his response is a very divorced dad. You shouldn't, but if I'm not around, go for it. <laughs> That's all the time. Thanks, Jeff. And then there's the end of day scene. And, oh, boy. We fade into another flashback. Shade and Coltrane are in a convenience store. Props to the game. They drew a different convenience store than the Rambler and Gambler. Probably so they could do a different camera angle. The man behind the counter asks what they want here. Coltrane says he just wants a pack of smokes. And the man says, (laughs) get out. We don't want your kind in here. Coltrane is immediately on edge going, what type is that? And the store owner says, criminals, get out. Shade tries to get Coltrane to drop this. Like, there's a lot of stores. We can probably just go down the block. But Coltrane refuses. These fucking bastards don't have an ounce of respect for me in their entire bodies. The owner tells them again, get out, calls them filthy Yakuza, and pulls a shotgun from under the counter. For what it's worth, this is buck wild given how gun control is in Japan. Mm-hmm. Also, this is like one of the only times a character has an animation in this presentation style. Yeah. But Coltrane, now at gunpoint, escalates, tells the shopkeeper, it's good to know you're armed, but so am I. And he pulls out a weapon. So the shopkeeper blows Coltrane away. And Shade freaks out being like, fuck, man, what'd you do? And the shopkeeper, not being a psychopath, is like, ah, I'm sorry, but you're criminals. You deserved it. This is your fault. And yeah, he just repeatedly <laughs> shouts he deserved it like, yikes. Mm-hmm. And Shade just steals himself up, goes, fuck you, pulls his own gun. And we hear three gunshots as three red rose petals fall to the ground. Okay, so. This is all Sybil here. This is not the script. If we had built on some of this flashback or any of this over the course of the game, if this did not come in two days from the end of the game as a weird way to escalate how much of a shitbag Shade is and how bad his past was, I would be less mad about this. But instead, this is dropped in in a place where they had a hole for it in the script just because. I think this flashback has dropped in here, but like this is like really easy to figure out has happened the entire Sure, game. but it's the fact that it was all unspoken until they shove it in your face at the last second because they is need it? escalation. Shade says so many times he killed a guy. And like every yeah. time OU Bun's there, he's talking about how Shade fucked him up and he had to take all of the fall for it. And that's why Shade is here. Yes. Right? Like this comes up all of the time. It is the fact that, again, we have that unspoken. It's like the knife thing at the start of this episode. It's great that's- when you're vague with it. But when you spell it all out suddenly, I get upset. This doesn't need more detail. I think the reason they want more detail is because they feel the need to fully flesh this out because of what happens next episode. Sure. Uh, Because I think they started with that pretty early and were not willing to drop it. What it did for me, honestly, 
is made me retroactively lose a lot of like any kind of warm feelings for Coltrane. Like, I don't know. That's exactly it. I'm sure his I'm sure his problems. Yeah. But the, 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 like the inciting incident being this makes him seem just so small minded and petty and just like the world is against me, you know, like incel shit. And it, yeah, it really it really dropped my estimation of Coltrane in the overall story and made the whole setup to why Shade is where he is feel very small potatoes. Because well, like, I think it is that he I think he does suck and is petty. And that's a that's an issue where all of the flavor is delivered from Shade's perspective because Shade likes Coltrane. And that gives you like a really false estimation of who Coltrane is. Other than the one time we find out Shade said, hey, can you protect this person's mom? And Coltrane's idea was, yeah, I'll kidnap her and lock her in my basement. That's what you meant, right? Right. There's not enough of Coltrane for this to be something that like naturally follows. But Mm -hmm. like, I do get the impression that that's who they think Coltrane is the whole time. But that's all we've seen of this guy, aside from being in a shot or two. Mm-hmm. Until this day. So again, if we built more on this along the way, I would have less of an issue. As it is, this final chapter just feels like it saved a lot of scenes because we needed to escalate things that would have been a better organic growth. Yeah, mm-hmm. the previous scene of them being beaten up should have happened like way earlier. Like, very early. Then we should have shifted Oyabun back, I think, is what should have happened. Because mm-hmm. Oyabun hasn't shown up for uh, 25 days right now. Yeah. We basically, we should have put this, the them being beaten up at the beginning, shifted Oyabun back. And having that framing would be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, this is just my personal thing. I hate how this day escalates so much to go shade and coltrane you thought they were dirt bags they're actually pieces of shit unequivocally right and that like just the like making a deal with the devil for this like really <laughs> yeah here here's the thing too it's it's complicated to me because shade always tells you that he's a piece of shit and people who are depressed or self-defacing say that and that's how shade reads really early it does not just read as him being sincere yeah 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 yeah. and instead instead he is the classic male manipulator who tells everyone he's a piece of shit and then uses the fact that he's aware of that to keep doing more shitty things yeah shade is bojack horseman until we get the on-camera gunning dudes down and you find out the best friend he kept in touch with after this and still works with is fucking nuts. Yeah, There should I be mean, more stuff with GW, Shade and GW, I think, would solve that problem of, like, it. it's very easy to misread Shade and mm-hmm. more crime stuff with GW now that GW knows he's killed a guy before would solve that for me, I think, and would put a lot of pieces into place. Yeah. 
case, this is just the scene where he transitions from being early seasons uh, BoJack Horseman to final season BoJack Horseman. <laughs> so we're going to close out the episode with the start of day cut scene that begins day 62, because then day 62 and 63 are so enormous. But uh, this final scene is like the bow that wraps the previous scene up. So Oyabun, whose name is uh, Seki Shusai, is prostrating in a Yakuza meeting. Shade is there with his hands tied behind his back. He's being uh, just like manhandled by two Yakuza heavies. Coltrane is also there in a wheelchair bandaged to all hell. Oyabun introduces himself as Seki Shusai, the third lieutenant of the Tora family and the head of the Shishogun clan. Oyabun has come to take full responsibility for what Shade did and begs that no harm will fall upon them. He wants to pay the price himself. The patriarch says that they're going to take Oyabun into the hole, and if he survives, he will pay the rest of the price in prison. The second Oyabun steps outside the building, he will no longer be Yakuza. The patriarch continues, saying that Shade and Coltrane will be left alone, but they must leave Japan and never return. Oyabun thanks the patriarch, saying that he will not forget his generosity. The patriarch is glad, actually. He's wanted to get rid of Oyabun, so this is fortuitous. Oyabun has always been loyal to the family and got good results, but the rumors around him created a reputation that was hurting their business. The patriarch tells Oyabun that he will have plenty to like in jail and wonders if he'll have too good of a time there. He then demands that Oyabun be taken to the hole and the gaijin removed from his sight. The scene fades out. We kind of we we finally get the full picture that Oyabun is basically Kiryu in the Yakuza series where he is Yakuza but keeps adopting like misfits essentially. But yeah, the whole like the rumors about you and I think you'll like prison actually is very like, oh, we heard you're gay, and so prison sex is uh is is in your future. And that cool. fucking sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And uh I'm just gonna say it, unless there's something I've forgotten. That detail about Oyabun also comes to nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, w- I do not remember what happens next in a lot of detail. I will find out yeah. very soon. Yeah, we'll find out next episode, but I don't recall anything in that scene. I have no notes about that coming to anything. It's just cool. cool. What's, fr- what's really frustrating about all... Yeah, they, it's very frustrating to try to pile on a lot of forms of oppression and then have it all be really fucking muddy. Yeah. And also what what's really frustrating is that like this is them turning the character drama up and and folding all of the backstories in and we've seen them do this in the game before so much more successfully than this. So for this to be the start of the emotional climaxes that are going to take us through the very end of the game sucks cuz it's like you're better at this than this. Like we I know you are this is a wet fart that introduces a bunch of problems that that could have easily been avoided. Plus, this just made me realize they break their own K-drama curve that they tell about good storytelling. <laughs> yeah. This is just dumping all the bad stuff at the very end, so there's no time to soak in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
but but the Neb fight was good. <laughs> the Neb fight was so good. The Neb uh. fight was an experiment that I didn't like, but I will give it. I'm outnumbered on that because of the fact that for me, the combat in this game has just become a solved problem that I'm mad they changed entirely. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. to be fair. This is this is a complaint that you created for yourself so many moons ago when you're like, what if I maxed out the money counter? What if the combat was good? I think the combat that's my question. I like the combat. Yeah, I I, I, so. I like the combat and they understand exactly how complex it is and do not give you too much. I think at the end there might be like <laughs> one, <laughs> one or two. <laughs> fights too many. Let's let's talk about. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Final Fortnite, a little overpacked, but other than that, throughout the game, there's exactly enough combat for how complex it is, I think. Mm-hmm. And then if you want more, you can do it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's, it is interesting. I do think that having those optional fights available ends up revealing some of the shallowness of the combat. If you didn't touch the optional fights, I think that the combat would be a lot more tactically challenging. So I it, don't it, think you can get through this game without touching the optional fights, just for some yeah. of the times that there's a part drought. That's fair. That's fair. I think you can, and I mm-hmm. think it would be really hard. I think Canyon Bolt would be, like, for a final boss yeah. at that point. Because, like, you could pull it off, right? Like, let's be real. The combination of spending every other turn going seatbelt lockdown, you do breast transplant and then cactus guard is really fucking really strong combined with the like thing it would be really tough and you would have to turtle really hard and it would Mm -hmm. take forever i think you could do it i don't know mathematically because the problem is fights jump in terms of numbers over and over again so i don't know how doable that is especially if you don't have a fast MPAP combo to get first strike. I would tell you right now, I'm not going to be finding out. No, fuck no. I already did the calculations for as much as I could on this. I ain't going back. Mm-hmm. What did we think about the contents of this episode? You first. Okay. Let's do this in two parts. What did we think about the contents of this episode? Separately, what did we think about how this changes your understanding of the entire game? Because uh, those are two different questions. Yeah, I, again, I, I, I'm i going to be a broken record because we're zooming in so hard. But like, there are so many little character moments that sing for me in this. And there are, feels like equally as many bigger moments that land with a thud. And that's frustrating because midway through this game, I was so all in to uh, on like everything that this game was putting down, I was picking up. And now it's like, okay... Pipu, amazing. Knife, amazing. Duke, amazing. ZZ, really good. Jack, really good. Some of the side characters, so delightful. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the new mechanics for, for Neb's fight. Uh, but, yeah, I, God, I hate, I hate the scenes with Coltrane and the rest of the Yakuza a lot. A lot, a lot. I hate them. Bad news. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, I'm going to tell a story here about my prior example of 
when a game is shoved out the door and you have to use what you already have to fill it out and everything has clearly fallen apart at the end is a game called Croc 2. Because I near really the thought this would be KOTOR 2 and not Croc 2. I don't know why you thought you'd have well, a normal no, because, reference point for this. Because <laughs> this is the perfect metaphor for when you can just visibly look right, at a game up. and see something has gone horribly wrong. Croc 2 has this mechanic where, like a lot of platformers and things, every world has a backside with like harder levels and things. And they cut out the backside on one of the final worlds, but also one of the shipped levels at Endgame is just completely devoid of enemies. So you just walk through this big empty level with no threat to you, and it's not really platforming. It's just like, what happened here? It's the Imagine walking through a fucking Banjo-Kazooie stage with nobody but Banjo and Kazooie and being like, oh, this has some existential dread vibes, especially with an all-black skybox. That's oh, you mean like that Mario 64 ROM hack I play? Very cool. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, that that's rocks, what this actually. That's what the final Fortnite and everything on this island feels like, where it's like you are just walking between empty halls. There's a whole ghost city you can attend to with nothing in it. And that's what playing this feels like right now, especially with none of the dates lining up with actual things that the game is saying versus the gameplay. And then. I've already made my concerns about the story clear, but so much is falling apart in the writing. And remember that thing I said about how Oyabun hasn't shown up for 25 days now and suddenly... I got some notes about that on the where we go in the ending. Yeah. Nothing is good anymore in Wolfstride. Ryan, would you like a spoiler screenshot? I can't wait to see which sure. one you choose. You know which one it will be. I don't. I have so many I would. Oh, let's see if I can find it really quick. Mm. While Chris is finding it, there is one quote that I forgot to shout out in the course of the episode that would be a fun one to go out on, which is on the boat on the way over there. So way back at the beginning of this episode when ZZ is telling uh, Shade about her magical ability to detect the weather changes because her body is old. Uh, and she goes, yeah, you can learn a lot about yourself just by listening. The real problem, though, is when they stop. And Shade is like, that seems problematic and she like grins in her sinister grin and goes we're all dying this is why i said good news oh great oh great fantastic oh, oh wait, 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 wait wait okay i mean stylistically it does look really fucking sick i'm not gonna lie yeah but... i was gonna say stylistically that looks extremely cool but cool great fantastic can't wait fuck that's all until next time we got one more of these in us check out hourglasses physical timekeeping i recommend it that's cool uh yeah you can go to pitchdrop.cash and give us as little as a buck a month for bonus episodes of various shows and also see other things that we the hosts of this network do
if you want to hear this take on don't be mad at me i promised you it would be a cool seven out of ten okay <laughs> i'm not mad at you i'm not <laughs> mad at you <laughs> so everyone's brian's like wow what a cool eight and a half a nine out of ten i'm like yeah <laughs> by the way <laughs> i played ahead i played ahead and look what it got me mm-hmm. yeah that's it we'll see you thanks again all peace out bye bye